welcome to the 201st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on October 15th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the guy who's checking to make sure that Carlos kept his seat warm. It's Corey Motley. Corey Motley, how you doing, sir? <laughs> Hello, Brad. It's uh, nice to be back. Carlos's seat is nice. He left it warm for me, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it uh, nice and warm. I'm keeping it warm, and it feels nice to be back. He runs pretty hot, so I'm not surprised that that seat was still warm uh, by the time you took it over. That makes perfect sense to me, knowing Carlos. He's always hot. So, Corey, it's so good to have you back. You know, before we before we get into things, I'm sure the audience is in a mild state of shock, as am I. Oh, boy. Uh, but it's funny because last episode was the 200th episode. Now, I don't know if you remember, but when you and I were the main hosts of this show, we got through exactly... 100 episodes before you made your exit from the show and as we celebrated our 200th episode uh, i was commenting to carlos i was like oh you know you think of yourself as the new guy but now you've been here for 100 episodes exactly so you've been on the show just as long as Corey has so it's like 100 episodes each and now we are in episode 201 and Corey's <laughs> back are you back for the next 99 episodes after this oh god i have to be frank and say that i am not it's wild to me to think that we did this for 100 episodes and then i kind of feel like i just left the show still like a month ago and then to hear that now being like oh well carlos and i have done 200 episodes already together like that's half the lifespan of the entire show and I don't know. It's just wild to me because I still feel like I just left, but it's already been twice the length or half the length of, you know, after I left and everything. So you've been um, gone for exactly as long as you were here. <laughs> it is perfectly balanced. And now it is perfectly balanced plus one since we are now in episode 201. Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Time really does fly when you're not having fun and you're in a pandemic and you're scared you're going to die every day. It does kind of dilate time. I've heard a lot of people say that time has no meaning anymore. The days have no meaning. Day and night has no meaning because we are all just in this perpetual state of panic and disarray. No one leaves our house. No one goes anywhere. No one has any hope for the future. We are in a dark tunnel oh and it's getting really hard to see the light at the end of it. But that's not going to stop us from talking about video games, my friend. That is true. And speaking of <laughs> all of that, um, I did... I would like to happily report that I registered to vote a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I've always been registered, but I moved. And right, when you move, right. you know, you have to get your updated license because you have to show your proof of residency at your polling place. So I did all of that. And the wildest thing about that is I don't know if that if this is the case in the Seattle area or in Washington State, but here in Louisiana all of our DMVs are appointment only right now, which makes me wonder mm. why they were never appointment only before, because I made an appointment about a week and a half before I went and I was in and out of the DMV with a brand new ID in 17 minutes. When oh I my went a God. Weeks ago. You better call the Guinness people because that sounds like a world fucking record, man. Yeah, it was bananas. I was like dreading it the whole time because I, 
don't because I it was just like this anxiety in the back of my mind about like okay I know I need to vote this is like one of the most important things I could possibly do as a human being in the United States absolutely absolutely um, but like I don't have my my ID updated we're in the middle of a pandemic is the DMV even open like I, I'm gonna have to skip work for a little while and like I hate taking time off work for stuff like that and I clocked out for my lunch break and I made it. It took about 15 minutes to drive to the DMV, 17 minutes to get in and out. And in Louisiana, they just print your ID right there for you and give it to you. Nice. And uh, and I made it back. I got some food, some fast food on the way home because I was hungry and it was on my lunch break. And I made it back just in time to start working again. So it was. That is a fucking miracle. Wow. That is amazing. And good for you, sir. Good for you for doing your civic duty. And I'm really proud of you. Uh, I, and like you said, voting right now, uh, you know, I may have my problems with the way this country is run. I may have my problems with the systems. I mean, I have a lot of problems. That's that's for a political <laughs> podcast. We're not going to get into that today. But I will take this moment to congratulate you and say I'm very proud of you. Thank you for voting. I should be getting my ballot in the mail probably tomorrow. I am going to vote ASAP. And to everybody listening to this podcast, um, you know, I know we don't really delve too deeply into politics, although we do mention it here and there. But let's be real for a second. We are on the cusp of some really bad shit, and if voting can help push things back and get us back on track, let's do it. If you are listening to this podcast after 200 episodes, I bet you are probably like me, probably like Corey, probably also like Carlos, and I bet you're going to want to vote Democrat. Get out there, vote blue, let's get a sane person in the White House, and we'll go from there. Like, step by step, let's start rebuilding, but you gotta you gotta vote. You gotta do that. You gotta get out and vote. If you haven't registered, do it now. Get out and vote. Please, please vote. Right, Corey? Yes, do all those things and pay attention to your local elections as well. I always spend one night before my local elections doing like looking at like every voter's guide that like, you know, newspapers Same. and magazines Same. and stuff in the area put out and make sure I'm trying to vote as smart as I can. The kind of dumb thing about Louisiana is that like, or at least the last time I voted in local elections here is that it's one of those cases where a lot of, because Louisiana is like a Republican state, but New Orleans is rather blue um but it sometimes comes to the point where it's like oh both of the people running for this one position are both republicans so you just kind of have to like pick like they're both bad but you have to pick like the slightly less bad one um lesser of two evils <clears throat> yeah so unfortunately i mean as much as i want to be able to just vote like democrat all the way down the line um it's kind of impossible to do that here but i have not spent my night of um of researching yet here but i know there's a cool magazine in town called anti-gravity that's kind of like a free like hip kind of like skater vibe photography type magazine in town um that is putting together a voting guide and i have a feeling i'm basically just gonna like trust everything they say but i will do a lot of research on my own as well and i always go to the democratic socialist website and look at their recommendations for who to vote for both nationally and for local elections so use your resources people be smart and get out there and vote please absolutely i do basically the same thing i look at the website i go to the dsa also kind of like your anti-gravity we have the stranger here in seattle which has uh been a paper forever super gay super queer friendly <laughs> um and you know that was where i think dan savage first got off the ground and so you know he's a big guy who's real strong liberal democratic too, gay rights and you know pro rainbow all that stuff so we go by their recommendations most of the time 99 percent of the time we will we will follow the recommendations because we're on the same page as those guys and girls and people of indeterminate gender but 
yeah, so that's that's what you got to do. You got to check it out. Got to see what your options are. Got to get out there and vote this year. So please, please do that if you care about your country, if you care about freedom, if you don't want to live in a fascist regime with God Emperor Donald Trump, please get out there and fucking vote. And we'll just see where it goes from there. So, okay, enough of political stuff. Let's get off of this. Corey, I'm sure the listeners know by now that this is not our regular episode. I mean, uh, we kind of got off track on politics, which we don't usually do when Carlos is here. We've got you here, which is what we usually do when Carlos is not here. (laughs) So let's just take a minute to just take a step back. Now, you've popped in and here and there, like maybe like once or twice since you like kind of took a hiatus from the show. But I've got you here tonight, captive audience. Let's just check in with you really quickly. I'm sure the listeners want to know, like, where the fuck have you been? Where did you go? What is going on? Why is Corey not here anymore? Uh, we love Carlos, but, like, what's up with the OG co-host? Do you want to tell us uh, what's been filling your time? Yeah, I would like to do that. Um, that's something I actually um, kind of, like, you know, wanted to sneak into the show. So thank you for giving me op- the opportunity to do that. Um so, like, I, I know, God, it's been, like, a little more than a year since I left the show, and, um, you know, at the time, I feel like I gave a very sort of, like, a PR answer about, like, oh, you know, I'm leaving the show, you know, it's nothing serious, I just need some time off, which is all true, like, I don't want to pretend like I was, like, lying to everybody about what was going on, but just in case anybody's, like, super interested in what I've been up to, or kind of, like, this is kind of, like, the Corey Motley, like, tell-all of, I guess what has been going on for the past year because right now my life is in a completely different place than it was whenever I was uh, transitioning into leaving the show. But, um, you know, in order to not bury the lead anymore on what's going on, I would just like to give the thrilling news that one of the reasons why I left the show a year ago is because I got divorced. (laughs) Oh, man. I, you know... I knew because, you know, we were close. We're friends. We talk about things offline. Um, I kind of knew. But, I mean, I don't know everything. I mean, I think that maybe I would like to know more. Maybe listeners would like to know more if you're comfortable talking about that. Is that something you want to bring up tonight? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, like, do, like, the nitty gritty. But truth be told, there's not any, you know, like, uh, like down and dirty details about, you know, what happened. But I can give, like, a pretty good overview of everything that happened. And I'm not here to, like slander anybody like that's not really my bag because uh like i was um my partner who i um and fun fact i'm actually not completely divorced yet because i don't know if people listening know this or not but divorces take for fucking ever to go through so oh yeah um, been there brother been there yeah and not only that but we're also in coronavirus times which means that things are being held up even more because of you know the court system and everything so um, I was with my previous partner for a very long time. It was like 12 years. Um, Damn, that is a long time, dude. Yeah, it was bananas. And we started dating in college. It was my freshman year. It was his sophomore year. We met in the marching band in college, which is very cute. Um, and basically, it just kind of stayed that way. Like, we dated for... Uh, ever and uh you know we lived apart for the first like couple of years of dating and then we moved in together and then we moved to two different cities together um we moved to, from Missouri to Nebraska and whenever we started the podcast is whenever I was living in Nebraska and then we ended up moving to New Orleans Louisiana together and I know we talked about that on the show because I moved in the in the midst of doing the show and I don't even think we like missed a beat while I was moving which is also bananas um and then it, you know and nothing um super like juicy happened like this wasn't like a 
knockdown drag out like divorce like you know truth be told i've i've told a lot of people this that i think it was the most like kind of amicable separation that you know could possibly be had which i'm really thankful for and uh but i mean i i can't lie i was kind of blindsided by it the divorce was not my idea um but you know as any relationship does you know we had problems here and there and you know i didn't think there were anything i guess that serious but apparently he did so at a certain point um you know he said i think that we should separate and you know i think we should be we should get divorced oh and we also got married i that we're, we got married obviously i left that part out um that's pretty important <laughs> um we got married like a year and a half before we got divorced which is so funny to think we were together for like about 11 years or so and then we got married and then we lasted about a year and a half as a married oh couple. wait wait oh no dude i got you beat i got you beat i haven't really talked about this in the show i don't share this very often but uh, the woman I'm married to now, we recently celebrated our 15th anniversary. Um, before that, I was with another woman. And I'm not going to slam her. Either. She's a great lady. Uh, I have nothing negative to say about her. We just, just you know, things just happened and we had to go separate ways. But we were together, I think, for about eight years, got married, and we were divorced six months after we got oh married. Oh, my so, God. An even quicker turnaround. Wow. It was ridiculous. So I hear you, man. <laughs> Well, I mean, I also, that's, oh my God, that's wild. But I don't want to, you know, obviously discourage anybody from getting married because that kind of sounds like <laughs> what we're No, but getting married is great. No, <laughs> I mean, 15 years on my belt now, you just got to get the right person. That's all. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes it comes down to it. Like, you know, I, I um, like, you know, I thought, you know, you know, say I were still married right now. Like I, or I mean, I guess I technically am, but say we're still partnered with that person. Um, you know, I think. I mean, I don't know if, you know, divorce would have been an inevitability or whatever, but I think I still would have been comfortable. But it's really fascinating because my life basically kind of like was thrown, obviously, for like a huge loop. And I moved out like probably about two months after, maybe a little bit less than that, after kind of like the, um, you know, proposition of getting divorced and not only did I move out, I'm still in New Orleans, um, but I moved, like, literally, I don't know if anybody in the show knows the way that New Orleans is shaped, but I moved, like, all the way from the west side of the city all the way over to the east side, so I live in a completely different part of town now than I did before, and, you know, I originally had kind of a, kind of like a spiral where I was like, oh, you know, can I even exist on my own? Can I pay for myself? Can I do anything? Because in that relationship, he was the breadwinner and I was not, and I was always working, but... Um, you know, you just never know, like whenever you're in this kind of like, I, I was um, lucky enough to be in a pretty comfortable financial situation because he made, I mean, we weren't like rich, but he, we were comfortable. And, um, and, uh, and so whenever I knew I was moving out, it was a very hard thing for me to be like, okay, well, what's going to happen? Am I going to be able to survive? Am I going to have to move in with like four roommates? Like, what am I going to do? But I mean, everything kind of worked out in like the best possible way. Um, I moved across town. I have a, a one-bedroom apartment on my own right now, which is the first time in my life I've ever lived just by myself completely. Um, and the apartment I got, I mean, it's not like the nicest apartment in the world. It's probably actually one of the cheapest apartments in the city of New Orleans because rent here can be ridiculous depending on where you want to live. Um, but the physical space that I live in is, like, perfect for me. Like, you walk in the door and it's got, like, an open concept, like, living room kitchen, which is nice. And then it's basically, like, the bathroom's out there. I'm sitting in my bedroom right now. My bedroom is big enough to have my bed. 
uh, Brad can see me on a webcam, but you guys can't. I've got a little white cabinet with a, I bought a giant ass TV that's behind me. <clears throat> I bought my first 4K TV um, a few months ago. I have my dresser, my computer desk that I'm sitting at. And it's just like the perfect size for me. Um, and I'm able to afford rent and, um, and you know, my cell phone bill and everything and my car insurance. And, you know, there was a bit of rockiness for a while, but I, you know, got everything ironed out and I actually, like, I don't make a lot of money where I work, but I make enough to be comfortable in the apartment that I have now, which is nice. I mean, I'm not out, you know, buying, you know, a new car or lavish things. Most of the stuff I buy is like beer and wine, um, and makeup all the time but video just games. the necessities beer wine video games and makeup that's it yeah that's about the only things that keep me happy these days and these times we're in um but uh but yeah and then like for a while i was um i mean single i guess obviously i did not hop right into another relationship and i don't even have that we would have to spend four podcasts on this topic but i don't even have the time or the energy to talk about what dating is like because being in a relationship for 12 years and then being single again and like never because oh man I, it was Ooh. wild like i was never because i never had to date before because the weird thing too is because because i'm gay um like whenever you're gay high school and college experience i graduated high school in 2007 like that was kind of like like in high school in those times it feels like it was yesterday but it was you know decades ago um it's it felt still um, worrisome to be gay in high school. So it was less, you know, as we get more progressive over time, you know, things become more, um, you know, progressive and people feel more comfortable in who they are. And there's been obviously huge waves of change in the LGBT space, um, for the past, you know, 10 years. I mean, for the past, like, I guess, lifetime really. Um, but you know, I, so I never really dated anybody. I dated like one person in high school, like right between my senior, uh, my junior and senior year for like three months. And still didn't really tell a lot of people. And then when I went to college, I basically started dating my previous partner, like, like about four months into college. And then we were together for 12 years. And then jumping back into dating after that um, was wild. Uh, so did you do the apps? Were you on every, were oh, you swiping right and I swiping left? I was swiping every which way on every app. <laughs> and, um, and it's just weird, you know, cause you hear stories about what it's like for straight people to date and how like, you know, I feel so bad for like women who are on dating apps because there's this whole idea that, you know, it's just like a bunch of these like predatory men who basically use apps like Tinder as sort of like a takeout service where they just sort of like order a woman and like fuck her and then, you know, ghost her or whatever. Um, but in the gay space, it's very different and it was so fun actually to talk to like because i've got a lot of most of my friends are actually straight men here like my parkour friends and stuff and it was just so funny to talk to like like one of my single friends ian about dating the whole time because you know he's trying to date on apps in the straight world and i'm trying to date on apps in the gay world and it's just funny to me because he could like barely get in like a few sentences with somebody on an app and then like they would kind of like ghost him immediately and in the gay world you get about three sentences in before you start asking each other for dick pics. And then it's like, you know, slippery <laughs> slope from there. So, wow. Yeah, it's, okay. <laughs> it's just like, it's wild. Like I cannot tell you how many dicks I saw that were, um, that were, uh, consenting pictures. Like I, you know, nothing predatory here, but 
so many dicks, so many assholes. Um, <laughs> I had people send me sex tapes of them with other people that I didn't even know on the apps. That like I real audition tape? It's very interesting, the whole dating world. Wow. But like I said, okay. that's that could be a whole two-hour topic on its own, so I don't want to dive too much into that. But I guess the light at the end of the tunnel here is that I actually met ended up meeting somebody Um and so I, I've been dating somebody now for, um, oh my God, it's been like nine months. Wow. Holy shit. It's been um, a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a it's while. Been a while Cause we met on January 1st. Um, and we, uh, he was actually in town over, he, he's not from new Orleans, but he was in town for new year's. His family kind of decided to take a trip here to celebrate new year's. And this was like right before kind of like COVID sort of being a thing. Um, and so he and I met, his name is Jacob. I just want to say that he is, um, he, he uses masculine and gender neutral pronouns. Um, so he goes by he or they, because he doesn't subscribe to like every kind of like, ma- like traditional masculinity in a way. Um, but he uh, was on vacation here. I met him and uh and just on a whim, it was on one of the apps. And, you know, I kind of pushed hard for us to meet up because we were texting a lot and it was like really good. You know, like you just kind of know when it feels right. And it did. Um, and so I ended up meeting him on New Year's Eve night, like into New Year's Day, because he was at like obviously like a New Year's Eve party with his family. Um, and then he was living in New York at the time and he flew back to New York. I actually drove him to the airport. Um, the early the next morning and and then we just kept texting and like things you know one thing led to another and now he lives in new orleans and he is here um (laughs) so like i mean i guess like it's a pretty happy story and i i can't like even put into words how much he has taught me about relationships he has a lot more experience with relationships than i do um and it's just so interesting to think about the way that I approached my relationship with my previous partner versus how I approached my relationship with Patrick because it's completely, or with Jacob, I'm sorry, um, because it's completely different. Uh, I mean, not a completely different dynamic, but it's just like I think about things in such a different way now that I have a new partner. Um, and like the way that we sort of um, just like communicate and um you know show our appreciation for each other and also the way we handle like conflicts within the relationship is so much different than i have ever done with another partner before um and yeah it's just kind of wild like just the differences in how i view a relationship now than i did previously um but i mean that's what like the 15 minute version of everything that's happened to me in the past year there's so many more details than that but um that's kind of the as they would say, the long and short of it. Um, I got divorced, yeah, yeah. I moved out, I moved across town, I dated for a while, I found a new partner, um, and we are very happy together right now. He moved to New Orleans, um, not specifically for me, but it was like a pretty good incentive to move here. Um, and I just am so appreciative of where my life is in such a different place than it was a year ago, but it's in a very good place right now. And even though coronavirus is here and things got turned upside down and the world is unlike it has ever been in our lifetimes um i'm happy (laughs) what more could i ask for i'm happy that's amazing man you know i i i 
hear so many parallels um, in your story with my own story. And we don't have to get into it now, but like, you know, hearing how, like knowing you before and knowing you now and seeing how you are now and, and hearing little bits of your relationship and stuff. I mean, it really is true that like having a good partner, having the right partner can, I mean, it just, it just really does make a world of difference in how you live your day every day, what you think about life, what you think about yourself, how you navigate things. I mean, it can be wonderful. It can be terrible. It just really depends on, you know, how you interact with that person. And it can be, you know, you can be in a great space with one person and you can be in a terrible space with the other person. And it's just how those things come together, you know, whether it's good chemistry, bad chemistry or or each partner's level of experience and how they approach things. So I totally get it, man. I totally get it. So, I mean, I assume that you're happy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm happier than I've been in a long, long, long time. (laughs) And the the thing is, that's not to say that I was unhappy before, but it's just like, it's just a different kind of thing. Like, I was never, like, unhappy in my previous relationship. I wasn't spending those 12 years being miserable. I would say that I was comfortable. It was the kind of relationship where... I thought that things were just going to go the way they were going for a long time. And I was totally fine with that. Um, But now I'm just completely happy in a different way. And, you know, it's just nice to feel that way. (laughs) Would you say, uh, just a couple more minutes of this, and we'll get off this. I know we don't have a, this is not relationship (laughs) podcast. I'm sure people are dying (laughs) wanting to get to the games. But uh, would you say... It was a case of, and this is not to disparage your former partner at all, at all. Uh, just, just speaking in generalities about the human condition here. Would you say it was a case of maybe you didn't know what you were missing, and now that you know what you're missing, you can see maybe a difference in that quality of relationship? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing about my previous relationship, maybe, that I'm starting to recognize now that I have exited it, was that we were both two people who were very inexperienced with relationships and it was both of our first long-term relationship. And I always sort of wore that as a badge of honor of like, yeah, like this is neither of us have like seriously dated anybody before. And we, you know, we've spent 12 years together and it always felt nice and it felt comfortable. And, you know, we were in love and I moved to two different States with that partner because everything, you know, was going so well but it's just like, I didn't, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just felt, I guess looking back, I feel like I wasn't as emotionally, like, I don't know, equipped or something to be able to like handle different things that came in the relationship. And now that I'm in a new one, I sort of like have this new sort of like toolbox almost or, or new, like, I don't know, like way of thinking about relationships. And I really, um, you know, have my current partner to think for all of that because I don't, like, you don't know, unless you're, like, a relationship therapist or something, like, you don't know all of those things. And then suddenly I have, like, new thoughts and new ideas and a different kind of appreciation for a different kind of relationship. Um, And I'm just, you know, feel happy in a different way. You know, I wasn't miserable before and um I was still happy then, but now I'm just happy in a very different way now. I I don't even think that even began to answer your question, but that's like the best thing I can think right now. All right. That is fair. That is fair. Well, okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. I know that everybody was really wondering what the hell happened to Corey. Why did you leave? Did you, were we fighting? Did something happen? Did one of us backstab each other? Was there a drug deal going bad? Oh who, knew, who knew what happened? 
So that's where you've been. Um, I guess before we get into the show proper, uh, and I, I know, folks, I know you're waiting for the good stuff. But I guess in all this time, I guess the main question, the most important question is, have you still been playing games? That is a very good question. And honestly, I mean, I have not, I didn't stop cold on video games, but I have, I'm now playing far, 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 far fewer games than I have ever played before. And which is kind of weird because like I got when I, and during the divorce, I bought a brand new PC for myself. Um, I recently upgraded the RAM in it because I guess I'm like a PC overlord gamer or whatever now. Oh God. Um, which oh is God. not true at all. I do. I am playing a little bit more PC um, or I'm balancing it more, I think now than I was before. Um, but you know, I didn't buy this giant 4k TV behind me for no reason. I bought it in the middle of playing final fantasy seven remake. And I mean, I feel like I can count on one hand, the amount of like triple a games I've played this year. And if you add the indies, I don't even think I would finish my second hand. Like I, it's not, I mean, I'm not, I'm still enjoying the stuff that I'm playing, but I'm playing far fewer things. There's still a handful of games out there that I'm like excited about upcoming releases. Um, I'm not really keeping like a top 10 list this year, which is weird because I, that's something that I always do consistently for the past like five years during the year, I will rank everything I'm playing and I will adjust it and move it. And I mean, this year I haven't, I've only played one game that's like been really, um, felt really special to me. Um, other good games for sure, but nothing that's like, Ooh, this could be my game of the year. Um, but I mean, kind of, unfortunately, I actually am playing far fewer games now than I was before. And that also, you know, and maybe I would be on the show more often to guest star or whatever, if I were actually playing a lot. Um, but like I reviewed something for game critics, um, super liminal, which I actually came on the show and talked about. I did super liminal and super hot, the new super hot, um, game. Yeah. And those were the first games I had reviewed in like nine months or something. Cause the last thing I reviewed before that was control whenever it came out. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. It's been really nice though, kind of dipping a toe back into like reviewing games and stuff because it's been a while since I've done that. And it feels nice to, you know, get a free game, especially if it's a free game you're interested in and then to be able to have the, you know, cathartic experience of writing about it um, and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I have not been playing very much lately or I've been playing old stuff. That's something, and this is kind of a discussion we can have later. Um, but I kid you not, roll your eyes all you want. About three nights ago, I was sitting at this very computer desk playing oh Deus Ex Mankind. I knew, I knew you were going to fucking say that. I knew you were going to say that. I knew it was coming. I was waiting for it. <laughs> you do not oh disappoint, sir. Yeah, so I've been mixing some new with some old, some comfort food with a little bit of new stuff, some PC gaming with console gaming. And um, yeah, and I also, for the upcoming console releases, I have no interest in getting a new console. I will probably wait maybe a calendar year before getting a PS5 or whatever. Um, just not interested in that right now. Um, I feel like I've got plenty of stuff to play on PC, plenty of stuff to play on the PS4, um, you know, that's kind of new or maybe has just come out recently to play. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not getting too old for video games, that's for sure. I just, I've just been playing a lot less. I've also been a lot busier. I mean, work has been insane this year because of COVID. So every day when I clock out, I just want to sleep for the rest of my life. So um yeah there's that but no. yeah far from i hear you man i mean your your station in life has a lot to do with it you know i played i can remember when i was a much younger guy um starting out and i would play so many games i would review so many games because at that time i had 
you know, way fewer obligations. I didn't have a child at that time. I don't think I was even married at that time. And, you know, like your, your life is just different. And now that I have a wonderful marriage and I've got a great son who lives with me here and we have like, you know, Galloway farms that we live at. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I noticed that like there just isn't as much time. So my reviewing is calmed down. I still love games every much as I, as I ever have, but definitely it's hard to keep up that pace when other aspects of life start rearing their head. So I totally get what you're saying. Totally get it. But I am very glad that you haven't cut off games completely. I'm glad that you're still around to do some reviews for me at game critics and also to guest star here on the show every once in a while i'll take what i can get if you can't <laughs> pop on as much as i would like you to be here i will take i will take your uh, biannual appearances and we'll just be happy with that so all right with no further ado let's roll into the show and i gotta say this is going to be the first show that i actually do timestamps for because i didn't do those you used to do those all the time you were great at doing those you left the show and i kind of took over some of the duties and I'm like, doing timestamps fucking blows, because I got to, like, <laughs> yeah, listen back to the whole show. Yeah, my life for, like, two oh, years. How about that? Seriously. <laughs> I don't know how you... I mean, maybe it was okay because you were editing, or maybe it was, like, a natural thing you could do. But since I wasn't editing the show, it was like I would just have to sit down and go out of my way to listen to the show again to timestamp it. And I'm like, oh, fuck this. I'm not going to do it. But I will do it tonight, because I know that... I know that while many people are very curious as to what you've been up to and, and where you've been, I'm sure that there are some who don't care, which is fine. We love you all. I will put timestamps in tonight's episode so they can jump straight into the game content. I will make that sacrifice for you, the listeners. That's fine. Um, so let's get into the game stuff. Let's get into games. And thank you all, by the way, for um, you know being open and honest with us, sharing that little bit of your life. I'm sure that many, many of our listeners really appreciate it because you were missed. You were very missed. I missed you. A lot of listeners missed you. It hasn't been the same. I mean, you know, Carlos is great. We love Carlos. And it's been a different show since he's been here. But, you know, we started off with you, Corey, and you always have a special place in our hearts. <laughs> Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And if you don't care about my divorce, I don't blame you one bit. I'm not offended slightly by you not caring about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back, though. And I'm ready to talk about some games because I have actually have been playing a couple of new things recently. So we can talk about them. We are absolutely going to talk about it. So let's get into the main content of the show here. We we kind of do some housekeeping. I have a couple things to talk about. Um, before we launch into it proper, though, I meant to say at the top of the show, and I apologize, folks, I am feeling slightly under the weather, and I've got a tiny bit of a tickle in my throat. If you hear me clearing my throat, I do apologize. I'm trying to keep it under control, trying to stay focused, but sometimes <laughs> if you hear me you know, coughing or something, please don't write the show and say you're mad at the audio quality. I'm doing my best here, so just forgive me for that. Um, I have a couple more items here, but Corey, if you've got anything random uh, or generic or strange or off-topic, tangential, anything you want to talk about in housekeeping, this is your shot. Um, the only thing I can think of, uh, and maybe this will or maybe this won't qualify under housekeeping still, but um, this will be, I mean, I guess I'm just full of surprises today because the audience might be surprised. I'm sure you'll be surprised, but for the first time in like a million years, I have been watching a new TV show. On your big TV. On my big TV. And if listeners recall, I was never the TV watcher whenever we would talk about stuff before. I would go see movies in the theater and talk about them. And you would always come to the show and be like, I watched these three new shows this week. And every week I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm not like a TV person. But I don't know. A divorce really just changes you, Brad. What can I say? You are, you are a new man, Corey. New, Corey Motley 2.0 right here. So what TV show have you been watching, sir? I have been watching, thanks to my wonderful friend in uh, my college town, Jason, who I love, uh, for giving me 
his login info for HBO Max. Um, <laughs> thank you very much to him. Um, I did watch Watchmen, but that's not what I want to talk about today. Um, unless you do, and then we can. But uh, I, I haven't seen it yet. I really want yeah, to. Yeah, it's like chef's kiss. Like everything, every good thing everybody says about it is absolutely true. Um, I watched it like six months ago, and I actually just started watching it again. Um, but what I've been watching is Westworld, which I had always been interested in because that's the hbo show where it's like based on the michael crichton novel where it's like the robot western thing do you know anything about westworld or have you watched it i mean the original westworld starring yule brenner was my favorite movie for a long time when i was a kid so i'm familiar with it from that aspect i have not read the book and i've been very aware of the remake but i um i don't have hbo and i just have never got around to i'm sure it's available on other download services but i kind of been like hearing a little about it and i i always meant to watch it but i just haven't gotten around to it yet it's also something that i think is probably inappropriate to watch with my 11 year old and so um (laughs) it's very challenging to watch a grown-up show with an 11 year old who stays up really late so i'm saving it for later but please tell us all about it sir yeah and i was very much in the same boat you were until i started watching it because i had always heard people talk about like oh and and it's like three they're three seasons in now and it's like four years old at this point and you know, like every week, you know, social media would blow up about it and I would hear nothing but good things. And it was always kind of in, you know, the back of my mind, kind of like Watchmen as well, where I was like, okay, I know someday I'll probably watch this. Um, and then I finally decided to start watching it because um, the funny thing is like, I've seen all of Watchmen and Jacob, my partner, has seen most of Westworld. I think he's seen the first two seasons. And so, I mean, feel free to everybody prep your barf bags because I'm going to say something really cute that's going to make you want to throw up. Um, We've been doing a thing on weekends where we basically like every night of the weekend, we will watch like one episode of Westworld and one episode of Watchmen together. And it's cute because like I've seen one series, he's seen the other. And then we can like kind of talk. We we always like, you know, um, talk about them and have discussion between the episodes, which is very cute. Um, Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. So but like Westworld. So I'm only like five episodes into season one four episodes i can't remember if i'm four or five episodes um it's hour-long episodes um i don't know if every hbo series is the same but westworld and watchmen are both um their their seasons are like 10 episodes the episodes are about an hour long a piece um so i'm almost halfway through the first season and the setup for westworld is that it takes place i mean i guess in the future i don't really know if it's like future or present day but there's basically this giant theme park. Um, you know, think of like a Six Flags or whatever. But instead of it being like roller coasters and stuff, it's literally just this like giant like like Western pasture that's sort of like set in like old Western times. And it's full of these like robots, but they're like super advanced. You know, you can't really tell a lot of the difference between them and like human beings. And they're almost set like it's almost like a video game world to be honest because like it's like a bunch of npcs basically and they're all kind of set with their own ai they're all set to kind of do the same loop every day and then there's different kind of like events that will happen they call them narratives in the show but there's different like events that'll happen and then the people that go into the theme park are of course these like rich elite like corporate people and you go in and you like dress up in your like cowboy outfit or whatever And then you literally just, like, walk into the theme park. There's, like, a train that you get on, and it takes you in. Because for the first episode, I was really confused because I thought it was, like, a VR-type thing where, like, they weren't actually in the theme park. But, like, the theme park is, like, a real space that they 
are in. It's like a physical place you go. Yeah, it's like a physical place. Because the first episode, I was like, okay, are they, like, in some VR capsule or something? And then, like, a bodysuit, and they're, like, transported to this place? But it's, like, a real place. So they take a train there, and then the world is, like, filled. It's got both humans and um, the humans that pay to go in, and then the robots that are kind of, like, on their loops. And so the show has got this, like, big multifaceted thing going on where, like, part of the show is about the humans that are going because it kind of sticks to a handful of humans that are in the park and kind of has, like, a branching story with them. And then part of the story is about the robots because, of course, the show, I believe, is going to end up being about some kind of, like, robot uprising thing or whatever. I don't know if that's true, but I'm, like, pretty sure you know, the robots are going to become more self-aware and it's going to be, like, a Terminator-type thing. So then, like, part of the story is about, like, the robots and sort of, like, the little glitches that are happening in them that either leads you to believe that they're becoming more self-aware or maybe somebody is, like, sabotaging them in some way. And then you have the story of, like, the people that actually work at Westworld who are, like, the corporate, like, suits who are, like, the engineers and the people who clean up the bodies or, like, the robot bodies and stuff and, like, get them ready to go back out the next day. Um, and the people who, like, go into the field and sort of, like, investigate the any glitches that happen or anything. So it's got a lot of stuff going on. Um, not all of it is interesting. I'll say that up front. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's got kind of, like, these three. And then there's this, like, mystery guy. And I don't even know his name. But he's, like, this guy who you're sort of led to believe is, like, a human who has been in the park for, like, decades. And he's sort of, like, trying to find this, like, he thinks there's, like another level to the west world and like he can like get to some other like i don't know almost like a new like level i guess of it and it's it's interesting because it really makes me think a lot about video games because it's kind of like they're like real people just like walking into a video game if you think about like red dead redemption or something you know they put on their cowboy outfit and then they walk right into the video game and the the robots can be like damaged or killed but the humans cannot so like the robots like they have their like revolvers and stuff <clears throat> and of course there's like suspension of disbelief happening here so who even knows like what's going on um but they can like shoot the humans and i think it like hurts them a little bit but they cannot get um killed by the robots so that's sort of like the one thing that's sort of like the safety net of the park um and, you know, I had heard so many things about how the show is, like, so amazing and it has all these twists and turns. And, you know, I'm always, you know, you, I mean, you know me. I'm, like, a sci-fi story person. Sure, um, sure. I'm not a Western story person, so that's where it kind of, like, you know, crosses paths with me a little bit. But kind of the impetus for me to want to watch the entire show was I had watched the trailer for season three, which premiered, I think, in the middle of last year. And see, the trailer for season three looked like it was taking place entirely in, like, present times. Like, it didn't look like... It was Western. It didn't look like there were any cowboys. And so when I watched that trailer, I was like, oh, like, okay, there, it looks like there's no Western stuff. So, like, maybe it'll be more interesting. Um, and so I'm kind of, like, working my way through it, hoping that, like, it will get interesting. And, like, there's a lot of interesting things happening in the show. But I'm finding that it's very slow and it's very melodramatic. Like, it's the kind of show where, like, the lines of dialogue that people say, like, nobody would actually say those things in real life. And it's the kind of show where, like, the corporate people, they will go from being, like, oh, having this kind of, like, slightly intense discussion to, like, screaming and throwing a thing across the room. And it, like, doesn't, like, it's like nobody would actually act like that. And so it takes a lot of, 
like work on my part to kind of get on that level and be like, okay, haha, like it's dramatic or whatever. But it feels to me just like a really sophisticated soap opera, which is not really a compliment. Um, and it, like, I'm liking it so far. And like I said, I'm only like four hours in, so I'm, you know, halfway through season one and I'm committed to watching all of it because A, I don't have anything better to do with my life and B, like I've come this far, so why not? Um, but it's just kind of, it has too many storylines going on. It has too many people. It has too many backstories. And I find myself only caring about like, maybe like two and a half characters on the show. And meanwhile, it's like, here's these 15 characters we want you to care about. And I'm like, no, can we just like scale this back? First of all, scale it back. So we only have like storylines of like a handful of characters make it less melodramatic and like let's get it moving a little bit like i don't know if they're pacing it slowly because part of it is a western and i don't think westerns are known to be these like you know really quickly paced stories but especially coming off of watchmen because watchmen is like one of the most efficient shows i have ever seen in my life it's I think it's 10 episodes, one hour a piece. Every episode is like magical. They all end on, I wouldn't say a cliffhanger, but they all end in a way where you immediately want to watch the next episode. Like whenever I first started Watchmen, I was like, okay, I'll watch like one episode a night. And the first night, I think I watched like four episodes in one night because I just could not stop watching it. Um, but Westworld, I'm just like every episode, I'm just like, all right, let's get to it. Let, like, when are we going to get to the good stuff? When are the robots going to retaliate or whatever? And, you know, I've heard people, I tweeted about this the other day and, you know, there was somebody who tweeted me and he was like, no, just stick with it. Like, it'll get better. And I don't think this is like a super big case of like, it gets better later because when we talk about that in video games, usually it's like, oh, if you play for 20 hours, it finally gets better. And like, I'm only like four hours in, so it's not like I've wasted a huge chunk of time but so far it's just okay and I wish it were better but I'm committed to watching it more it's got a lot of good actors in it like it has um Jeffrey Wright who I think is exceptional um Evan Rachel Wood is in it um the guy uh, James Marsden who played Cyclops in the original X-Men movie is in it he's very cool um Tessa Thompson just got introduced in episode four and like I love Tessa, Tessa Thompson um, so I'm hoping that her role will become bigger over time, but it just has too much going on and there's too many characters that I don't care about and it's moving way too slowly for my liking. But despite all that, I guess I'm sticking with it. So, you know, I guess I'm the <laughs> dummy here, but it's just not all it's cracked up to be based on what I heard online, but I'm going to stick it out. And who knows, maybe when I finish all the seasons, I can come back and give a big ol' update on the show and eat my words about how great it is or something but right now it's just okay interesting interesting i haven't seen it myself it's on my list but i have heard a lot of people say that it has ups and downs highs and lows um i don't know if that is the main criticism of the show but hearing that it's kind of inconsistent uh is something that i have uh picked up on on the twitter sphere but it's still on my list to watch i'm still very curious as someone who was a big fan of that original movie back in the day i'm sure it's night and day of course but i am i am curious so let me you know actually um we should probably talk offline about other tv shows i would recommend to you that i think have been really good lately uh i we talked about uh, upload and uh, i think i talked about the boys uh, with carlos on previous episodes have you seen either one of those real quickly i have not i have interest in the boys but i have not seen it i've heard nothing but exceptional things about that show both of those I thought were going to be really cheesy and dumb based on their trailers, but both of them, Upload and The Boys, have been 
way beyond expectations and probably two of my favorite shows uh, this year. So I'll, we can talk about those offline. We're not going to talk about it now. <laughs> I do want to give a really quick shout out, though, to a movie that I saw, a Netflix original, which was made in conjunction with um, some actual, you know, legit Hollywood people called Vampires versus the Bronx. Dumb title. I hate the title. It's really dumb and cheesy. But it was a delightful, really cute movie. It's about vampires who move into the Bronx and they not only are being vampires and doing what vampires do, but they are also like gentrifying the Bronx. So it's kind of like racial commentary. Like basically every white person in the movie is a vampire and everybody who's not white is like a normal person, which is a pretty, you know, pretty easy thing to pick up on. I think it's really approachable for families and kids to kind of pick up on some of those issues. Uh, The cast was really delightful. They had a great group of kids. It's like a little kid, not little kids. I mean, they were like, you know, 14 or something like that, like three or four of them. And they were kind of like, you know, trying to get the grownups to believe them. I mean, you know, you know how the story is going to go. Like, it's not it's not earth shattering or anything, but I think it's really cute because it's great for families. The actors all did a great job. I thought it was just a really fun ride. The, the day that we watched it, we were in the mood for something scary, but not too scary, funny. But we didn't want to watch just strip comedy. We wanted some monsters, but we didn't want any like splatter punk or gore. <laughs> it was like totally like right in the middle of all those Venn diagrams. Right. And it was like it was just really great. And I think the social commentary, too, was really something we were up for as well. So just a quick shout out to Vampires versus the Bronx. I hate the title. I wish they'd come up with a better title, <laughs> but it is a really great movie. I believe it's only on Netflix right now, so it's available there if you've got the flicks. I think most people probably do these days. Um, your jam, Corey? Yay, nay? Uh, I don't know. Maybe? It sounds like I'm about to reference a movie I haven't seen, so I guess that's pretty stupid of me. But it sounds similar to Attack the Block. Oh, yeah, it is very much in the same same vein as Attack the Block, which I'm surprised you haven't seen that one. That was a really good one, too. Um, that one is about... A group of inner city English kids fighting off aliens who are attacking their um, like government housing area. Great movie. And uh, what is the name of that guy from Star Wars? He was in that movie. Oh, John Boyega. Yeah. yeah, I think that was, if not his first film, it was one of his first films before he did Star Wars. That was a really fun movie. I'm going to actually bust that out for the family pretty soon. But same vibe, kids versus monsters. Not too scary, but not too boring. You know, it's like, it's like right, it's a like good middle middle-of-the-road film, you know, kind of keeps most people happy. So, shout-out to Attack the Block, shout-out to Vampires vs. the Bronx. Um, Just one more quick thing in uh, housekeeping before we move on. Uh, just heads-up to everybody, uh, my son is a big fan of Kerbal Space Program. It is too smart for me. I am literally not intelligent enough to play that game. I don't get it. It's really impenetrable, but he loves it. Uh, they just, like, yesterday or the day before, had a free update to consoles, if you have it on xbox one if you have it on ps4 it's called the shared horizons update it's been on pc for about six months or so they just updated yesterday if you already own the game it's totally free of charge um i don't know what's in it i don't understand what's in it i don't even know what's even (laughs) happening in that game but my son likes it a lot and he wanted me to give it a shout out on the show so this is for him and if you are someone listening to the show and you understand Kerbal Space Program. Number one, props because you're very smart and number two get that free update on console it is now available and with that i think that is the end of housekeeping unless you've got anything else Corey, i don't think so as usual per us our housekeeping section has been like half the show so far so well to be fair we did we did a lot of soul searching we did a lot of like background (laughs) stuff so it's not just the housekeeping but all right let's get into the main part of the show here uh let's start with you Corey. i have a couple things but uh since you're the guest of honor 
And since you are the returning Game Critics writer, the person who hasn't been playing a lot of games but has been playing games lately, you are bringing to the show a piece of DLC for the Outer Worlds, not the Outer Wilds, the Outer <laughs> Worlds, I believe their first DLC called Peril on Gorgon. Now, before we start talking about this, number one, I guess I wasn't aware that you liked the Outer Worlds. I I guess I don't know why I didn't think that game would be your jam. Is it your jam? It is, um, because it's basically like, I mean, this is the t- basically the tagline, the unofficial tagline for the game is that it's basically Fallout, but not fallout and it was actually one of the i think it was the first game that i played after i got divorced and moved out so it was very interesting to revisit that a year later i bought it on a black friday sale at target last november for like 15 dollars or something and it had oh good deal yeah it had like just come out like maybe a month prior um i played it all the way through it did all the almost all the things you could do and then put it down for an entire year because it took them that long to get the dlc out and yeah i mean it i i don't think i've talked about it on, i mean i haven't been on the show so i haven't talked about it but i think uh outer worlds is very good it's kind of like a cross between fallout and like mass effect in a weird way but way more leaning toward fallout and not really mass effect uh because it's made by the people that made uh, New Vegas, which was kind of like the big selling point for it. So it has all the trappings that you would expect from a Fallout game, but it's just sort of like a space, um, you know, flying across space, capitalism, this and that type thing. Uh, but yeah, I did yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. It's funny. Um, I, I guess I just didn't really realize that you played that. I played it a while ago. And I got into it for the exact same reasons you mentioned, like kind of Fallout-y from the same people that did New Vegas. New Vegas, you know, is always going to be one of my favorite games. New Vegas is pretty incredible. Uh, but for some reason, I bounced off of Outer Worlds. I got into it. I put in maybe like three or four hours and I'm like, you know, I'm just not feeling it. So <laughs> I didn't play it, but it's always been in the back of my mind. Maybe I just wasn't in the right headspace. Maybe I'll come back to it. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, I did not get too far into it, but apparently you liked a lot more than I did. That is great. And today we're talking about peril on gorgon which is like we said the first dlc so what is what is the deal with this dlc what is the deal with this what is the deal the fuck is up with this dlc what is happening (laughs) so uh, i'm not gonna spoil the ending for the game but i will say that the dlc the setup for it is the kind of dlc that that can be completed at any i think um you told me this actually you have to get to a certain point in the regular campaign in order to trigger it um but the thing about outer worlds that i think is maybe important to say is that it does the thing that fallout 3 did where even though it's an open world fallout you know all of that stuff when the game ends it ends you don't get to explore the world anymore i mean you can always reload an old save and do that or a save right before the ending so and i had forgotten that whenever i went back to play it because i was just like oh yeah i can probably just like reload my end game save and then like do the the quest or whatever um but i had to reload a save from like just before kind of like going into like the final quest area that's kind of like the point of no return um and also i know you and i dm'd about this but like playing a game and then waiting an entire year and then playing DLC Ugh, for it is rough, very dude. hard to get on board it's with. Rough, yes. Yeah, so I it took me a while to get on board with it to remember all of the systems, to remember all the upgrades, to remember the controls, to remember I like I didn't even remember that the game had a hard ending and you know, so I was not off to a great start. But the setup for Peril on Gorgon is that 
you are basically um like it has kind of a similar thing to mass effect where there's kind of like a star map system you're on your like spaceship and then you can look at this like galaxy map and it has all these different planets and you fly to them throughout the course of the game in the regular campaign um and every planet kind of has its own flavor like one might be one is like super like high society like marble buildings and one is like you know a machinist colony you know very sort of like greasers and stuff and mechanics um and uh and the dlc opens a new it's like a meteor out in the world and you fly to it um and you discover basically you get roped into this big like sort of like um uh, like corporate intrigue mystery story which i thought was actually very cool um you get to this cool mansion on this like moon and there's a woman there she tells you that her mom used to work for one of the companies because there's different fa i mean just like fallout there's different factions in this game but they're all like corporate entities um and she says you know my mom is a scientist she used to work for this one uh you know corporation they they had this giant lab on this moon and you know basically she kind of left us and we didn't really have a lot of contact with her and i want to send you there to basically figure out what happened like she's supposed to have a diary somewhere in her office and you have to figure out um where it is and go get it and then i bring it back to me that's sort of like the setup of it but of course as all of these types of games go like the the setup isn't entirely what ends up happening later on which i'm not going to get into but i liked this uh dlc because it is it, i mean it, at the end of the day it's just like classic dlc like it's a different long mission on a new planet a new environment but you don't stay on that planet the whole time you end up like flying back and forth a little bit and one of the interesting things too is you fly back to a planet you had previously been on but even though you had been on that previous planet there's like a new section you can go to of the planet so it has multiple new areas and it's just this kind of interesting like corporate intrigue story you know there's sort of like maybe maybe there was like some corporate espionage that happened maybe there was some sabotage within the science programs uh maybe the drug they were working on you know was really dangerous it's just kind of got all these undertones of like you know you going in to figure out like what the hell is going on for this whole thing um it took me about 10 hours to finish so i think that's a very respectable substantial yeah. yeah um it has little side quests in it um it's got plenty of new open world space to explore on the new planet um there's no to my knowledge there's no new companions or anything because the game has a companion system just like um you know new vegas and everything um i don't think there's any new companions apparently there's new like perks or something but i didn't actually find them or unlock them so i don't even really know like what those are about um because there's like a perk system in the game kind of like in fallout every time i say something about this game i'm like oh just like in fallout um just like in fallout yeah because <laughs> it's basically just like a copy paste of fallout which i think is like i mean not a bad thing um but, uh, you know, it has perks where you can do, you know, X damage with this or whatever. Uh, apparently there were new perks, but I didn't know what they were, so I don't think I unlocked them. Um, but, I mean, it's just, like, it's everything you expect it to be as, like, a DLC for this game. You know, the story starts as one thing. It doesn't necessarily end up as the same thing. Um, it's, and it, of course, has an angle of, like, ooh, well, who can you trust? Because, you know, there's, like, key characters that you're talking to through the entire thing, and... Can you trust them? Can you not trust them? 
Um, it's got, you know, new combat, new monsters. The combat system, I will say, is a little bit clumsy. It's just kind of like, um, shoot until the thing is dead. Like, you know, there's not really anything. It's not a cover shooter. <laughs> just like in real life, shoot until it's dead. Yeah, you know, it's not... I mean, the the combat even feels just like Fallout. Like, you know, Fallout has vats where it pauses the game and you can aim on a body part. Um, the Outer Worlds has basically just like a slow-mo, like bullet time thing, which is fine. Um, so there's no like pausing or anything. Uh, but I mean, it's... I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I thought the story was interesting. Um, probably the only thing I didn't like about it is that the only thing i can think of right now i actually finished this a while ago and i'm like it's already like exiting my mind which means i need to start writing about it immediately um uh the only thing i remember not liking about it is that just like just like in fallout um it has like based like what you put your points into in your character you know like small guns large guns uh, charisma intimidation whatever um, I would like that this game has like the skill checks because you get in conversations with enemies and if you have like a certain amount of points in one thing you can like sort of like um, unlock new dialogue options to challenge them. There's a lot of things in this game, the whole game, not just the DLC, where you can like completely bypass a combat scenario if you just have like enough points in something to talk your way through it, which I love. I think that's great. Um, but this game, I thought it was really interesting because there were like points where there's like doors you can lockpick, there's consoles you can hack there's um you know kind of conversation battles you can have but when i got to those it seemed like the amount of points they wanted you to have to be able to clear those in the dlc were like way higher than i like ever think i could get to in the game because at that point i had finished the entire game um the dlc only lets you level up i think three more times which i think is not great i wish they would have maybe done five more levels maybe even 10 more levels because it seemed like leveling up three times over the course of a 10-hour game was very insufficient That for seems me. not very much, yeah. Not a lot. Yeah, and the funny, the thing that really cracks me up about this is that I, the whole time I was playing it, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, like, I wish that there were a way that you could, like, respec your character in the game. You know, I wish that I could go to something and, you know, I could pull some points out of, say, like, console hacking and put them into Intimidation or something because I like having charisma points. And I didn't think that existed. And then I was playing it in front of Jacob, and he was like, oh, I'm interested in playing this. So he started playing it, and he was like 30 minutes in. And there's like this console and the spaceship that you own, and it's like, here's your respec machine. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I played through this game. I mean, I probably played You like, finished the entire yeah, game. The whole game. And I know I had to have seen that at one point and just completely forgotten about it. And I don't know how it works, so I can't pretend like I know, you know, oh yeah, you could just pull all your points down because I know you have to pay money to use it. And every time you use it, you have to pay more. But I don't know if it like... You can only pull so many points and respect so many points because I didn't experiment with it. But if I had known that thing was there, I would have totally gone to it, paid money, like pulled a bunch of points out of stuff I wasn't using and put them like into, you know, charisma or persuasion or whatever. I'm going to try to like talk my way out of things, but I just did not remember that that thing was there. And that's another trapping that comes along with beating a game waiting an entire calendar year for the dlc to come out and then playing it again because maybe if i had played it nine months ago i would have remembered that thing or maybe i wouldn't have um but yeah i was totally like oh man i wish i could respect and i even told jacob i was like yeah there's no way to respect your points so make sure you know what you're doing when you put them in there and like five minutes later he like walks up to this machine that's like oh respect machine and i was like wow i look like a fucking idiot so 
Um, yeah, that's the thing that exists that I wish the game would have maybe reminded me of at some point, mm, but it did not. Yeah. Uh, but I think And coming good. back to it after a year, too, you know, especially, like you said, I mean, I haven't played this game clearly, I'm just talking to my ass here, but, <laughs> you know, you said that there were such high requirements for some of these skill checks in the DLC, you know, maybe it would have been a good thing to be like, hey, we know y'all haven't played this game for like a year, and maybe you forgot all that you were doing, so just FYI, here's this machine, and if you want to, like, maybe respect to be more in the groove with this DLC, maybe go redistribute your points i mean that that's that's not an unreasonable ask right i mean i think that's kind of one of the things that really kind of gets me with dlc exactly like you said i mean i had a similar experience when i came back to control uh i loved control started on the control dlc oh dude i love control and then i just played the most recent dlc the alan wake one the awe and it was like i hadn't touched it in like a year i couldn't remember what i was doing i couldn't remember the the moves the buttons or anything i mean uh, a hey welcome back tutorial optional would have been really welcome and i think that any game that takes a year to kick out dlc should probably do the same hey welcome back here's what you missed here's what you forgot like why not do that because i'm sure a very small percentage of people will be playing new and then going straight into dlc probably the bulk of your players are you know who've been moving on to other things played other things in the year since they bought it at release, right? I mean, let's include those people. Yeah, and especially in a game like Control, because that game will, like, own your entire ass in a heartbeat in a combat scenario, and it would be nice if they were like, hey, FYI, here's how to play the game again. Um, Luckily, in Outer Worlds, it's not, at least I never found it that difficult, but it still had things like that where I was like, yeah, it would have been nice if they had, like, eased me into this. And even when I started the DLC... Um, I couldn't figure out how to actually find the mission. I had to fast travel to just a planet because I thought maybe that would kick it in. And then it didn't. And then I fast traveled to a different planet. And then when I did that, suddenly there's like a woman, like a robot kind of lady who runs your ship in AI. And she was like, oh, we have a request from blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why did I have to fast travel twice to get that to unlock? Like that didn't make any sense at all. Like I should have just loaded the game. And it should have been like, oh, right, here's the quest. Like, come see me to talk about this. So it just wasn't implemented very well from the start. And then, yeah, getting back into the groove of the game is so difficult. But, I mean, once I did, you know, get back from the groove, I was feeling very good about it. And I liked the DLC a lot. I mean, it wasn't, like, earth-shattering, but it was very on par with, you know, like, all of, like, the, you know, it's what you expect from, like, a Fallout DLC. It gives you a new area. It gives you new enemies. It gives you a new storyline. Um, very substantial amount of time it took about 10 hours to finish it which i appreciated um yeah i mean it was good i don't have a lot of complaints um it wasn't earth shattering but it also you know occupied me for several nights in a row and i was actually interested in the story that was going on so that was nice and that's that right on right on all right thank you for that heads up uh i got a couple games to talk about here First one is called ring of pain i believe it launched either yesterday or today Uh, on pc and switch i believe those are the only two platforms it's on it is actually this is a good time that you're back Corey, because it's a roguelike and i'm talking about roguelikes i know that you uh, never got enough of my roguelike chatter is this game can i predict what this game is about Uh, go ahead please do it's called ring of death ring of pain ring of pain i'm sorry is it a game where it's a roguelike and the entire game is you calling microsoft support because your xbox 360 red ringed (laughs) and you have to you get further in the conversation every time and then they hang up on you or something is that what this is about 
That is so close. That is so close. Are you Googling this right now? Because I feel like you're cheating a little bit. No, I'm not. I, I've never heard of this game before right now. This is amazing. Actually, I don't think anybody's really heard of this game. It kind of came out of the blue for me. PR uh, propositioned me about a week or so ago. And they're like, hey, you want to play this? And I'm like, what are we even talking about? I don't even know what this game is. Uh, but it's coming from a small development studio. I think it's maybe either two or three people. And it is a really, really unique roguelike. I mean, you know me. I'm Mr. Roguelike. I play basically every roguelike out there, right? And I love them, especially on the Switch. That is the perfect, perfect platform for a roguelike. Uh, what this game is about, um, I cannot explain what the story is about. It's really very, like, mystical and vague. It's like you're some kind of a spirit or something, and you're in this weird dimension and there's like a good it's i wish i could explain it i don't understand it the game barely tells you anything about it and honestly the game is not really even story based at all it's very mechanics heavy very mechanics focused which is fine which is fine um so why they call it the ring of pain is it takes a very unique design which i'm not sure that i've ever seen before you start the game and it's played from a first person although you're not really a character you're just kind of seeing stuff on the screen in front of you you, you don't see your own character at all uh, but what, why they call it the Ring of Pain is because the whole board is a ring made up of cards that are kind of floating in space. You can only see the front two cards at a time, and the other cards in the ring kind of, like, go in a circle, like, into the background. So, like, imagine that you're standing in front of, like, I don't know, like a, like a carousel, a merry-go-round or something, right? You can only see the thing that's right in front of you, but you know there's, like, this giant circle that goes around the back. So you can only see the first two cards. Uh, there's item cards, monster cards uh potion cards to give you like life there's like a variety of different cards and you can kind of see the color coding of them in the back like a pink card is always going to be like a potion like uh, a yellow card is going to always be like an item a red card is always going to be like a monster or maybe it's purple or something so you can kind of see the back part of the ring but not like really super specifically and you can only see what's in front and so you have to like do something when you're uh, looking at this ring you can either interact with the two cards that you see in front of you if it's a monster you fight him if it's an item you either take and equip it or you discard it or if it's a potion you drink it and if you don't want to do any of those things you can try to rotate the ring to see what the other cards are um, if it's an item you just rotate the ring no problem but if it's a monster you can try to sneak past them if you sneak past them you just sneak past them no problem or if you don't sneak past them successfully they ding you for a little bit of damage so basically what you're doing is you're constantly looking at this rotating ring of cards and you're trying to navigate and spin it like to the left or to the right so that you're always like getting the items that you need, getting the potions that you need and not fighting the monsters until you're ready. Um, you know, after you've got a couple pieces of equipment, after your life is full, then you fight the monster when it's advantageous. Um, so it's kind of a weird, really innovative design that I don't think I've ever seen before where you're spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning the thing and trying to navigate like, oh, I, I spun the, the ring to the left. And there's a monster that's really tough. I'm not ready to fight him. Let me spin the ring back to the right. Oh, hey, here's a sword that I didn't have before. I'm going to equip the sword. Let me go a little bit further to the right. Oh, here's a helmet. I'm going to put this helmet on. Okay, now I'm going to spin it back to the left. I'm going to fight this monster now. So you kind of control how the ring goes. And you just have to kind of work with what you're given. It's really interesting and very... I mean, it's it's really fast. It's a very fast play because everything is pretty simple. The tutorial is awful. Um, it felt like I was getting kicked in the face when I was trying to learn how to play this game because you die. I mean, many matches that I've played are like a minute or less or sometimes five minutes or less. Like, it's very fast. Like, you, you got to know really quickly whether you're on a good run or a bad run. And it just kind of just goes and goes and goes, which I like about it. I mean, I like the fast play. I like getting in and out. It's really good. Um... 
the other parts that I think are great about it is that it's pretty good once you know what you're doing to communicate the benefits and the effects of things before you commit to a turn. So it being a roguelike, you know, if you die, you die, you get sent back to the start. In this game, there is no permanence except for a couple unlocks. So basically, you're starting from scratch every single time, which is a little bit rough. I think most roguelikes these days don't do that. So this one is a little bit more traditional in that sense. Um, but I think the thing I like is like when you're about to fight a monster, before you fight the monster, the game will tell you, oh, you will lose three hit points. And it'll be like, you're going to strike first or you're not going to strike first. So you can look at it and be like, okay, is this a smart move? Should I do this now? Should I not do this now? So I like that it shows you that before you commit because it's very kind of clear about the info once you figure out what it's trying to tell you. It kind of takes a little while. You're going to die like maybe 30 times before you get a, a feel for it. <laughs> Um, but I really like the design. I think the art is really cool. It's weird and like unsettling, really kind of just abstract and just strange. It's it, the whole game has a very strange feeling to it. It feels kind of like a like a bad dream that you're stuck in, um, in a good way, I guess, if that if that's possible. Um, <laughs> the only bad thing that I will say about it is it's hard as fuck. It's really, really, really hard. And I have to say that I think that luck plays a little bit too much of. A role in this game which i i kind of wish there was more things you could unlock like like say for example if i find a good sword and i die maybe i keep the sword and start with the sword next time that would like make me feel like i had a better chance at survival the next time you don't get to do that you start basically from scratch and i, I can tell right off the bat if i find a good piece of armor or a sword or i get a potion right off the bat okay this might be a good run sometimes you start a run and it's just like monster after monster you're like okay this run is fucked i don't have a chance i'm just not going to get anywhere and i just i feel like a lot of these runs really depend on just getting lucky. I mean, of course, you have to make good decisions. Of course, you have to know what you're doing. But even even knowing that stuff, because I've, I've put a lot, of, uh, a lot of runs into it so far, even knowing what I'm doing, there are many runs where I'm just like, okay, I don't have anything that I need. I don't have enough attack power to get past this monster. I don't have any life potions. There's literally nothing I can do, and I'm stuck, and I'm dead. So I, I feel like the best roguelikes let you strategize a little bit more and kind of like think on your feet a little bit more, be a little bit more resourceful. This one I feel like is, it's definitely about careful management like most roguelikes are, but I feel like a lot of it is just really, really luck based. And I, I, I kind of struggle with that a little bit because there's been a lot of runs where I feel like it just wasn't my fault. There was just literally nothing I could do. And that's not a good feeling. You know, that's not a good place to be. You want it to feel like you made a mistake. You fucked up. That's okay. But feeling like I did the best that I could do and there was literally no option that would have led to success is a less good feeling. So I have not finished it. I don't know that I will ever finish it. It's really difficult and I kind of feel like I want to move on to something else. But I like it a lot in terms of design. I think that people who like roguelikes should definitely check it out. It is unlike any other roguelike I've played. I like the art style. I like the concept. And I bet you in six months... If the developers maybe patch this out, balance it a little bit, I bet it's got to be fucking dynamite. Um, but right now, it feels like a really rough ride that's a little bit hard to recommend. You immediately answered one of my questions, because the first thing I was going to ask you when you finish your spiel, I was going to say, do you think this is one of those games that they'll patch and it'll be better in a year, and you already answered it? <laughs> yeah, so true of so many games we talk about in the show. I feel like in six months or a year, I bet it'll be fleshed out a little bit i bet it'll be rebalanced i bet it'll be way more plausible to kind of make it through a run and win i mean you only have to get through 16 rings which doesn't sound like a lot but i'm average like on a good run i'll get to like ring like maybe like eight or ten and i'm like oh i had a real good run that time and i still have like six more rings to get through 
not counting if I take a detour into like these other rings, whatever, it's complicated. But basically, on paper, it seems like you could finish this game really quickly, but in practice, it's very, very, very difficult. So, eh, I think luck is too much, but um, come back to it in six months, we'll see. Uh, the next game I want to talk about is Spellbreak. Have you heard of this or played Spellbreak, Corey? I have not heard of this. Uh, people are trying to get into the Battle Royale genre. A lot of people are trying to cut their teeth and get in, get a piece of that pie. Oh, still? You know, still, Fortnite <laughs> is still the the 800-pound gorilla. I think PUBG has kind of died off or just is cut way back. I think, uh, uh, what is that other one? That one that came from the Titanfall guys. I forget what that one is called. Oh, Apex Legends. Apex Legends is I doing okay. I played some Apex Legends Did and some Modern Warfare uh, Warzone a lot right when I was getting divorced and moved out. So that's something we never talked about. But I was a Call of Duty gamer bro for a while, Brad. Dude. Oh, man. We'll have to definitely talk about that at some point. Because <laughs> that is something I would have never predicted coming from you. Yeah, me neither. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just wanted to insert that real quick. But tell no, me about no, this no, game. No, no, no. Uh, so Spellbreak is, I mean, to me, I've played, I think, basically all of the different Battle Royale games, and I just, I kind of keep coming back to Fortnite, even though I'm not, like, a hardcore Battle Royale person. It's just comfortable. A lot of people play it. My son plays it. There's, like, you know, I've, I've put a lot of time into it. I've got, like, a lot of unlocks and stuff, so it's my comfort zone if I'm going to play a game like that. But Spellbreak is the first one that feels, to me, like, genuinely, like, really different in the Battle Royale space, which is good. Uh, you play as a like a generic wizard person. You can uh, be a man or a woman, and there's a couple different outfits you can get. Whatever. It's not it, you're not you're not playing this game for the story. Basically, you go, you get dropped into a big you know open map, just like you do with Fallout or something. And instead of uh, guns and stuff, you get spells. You have a gauntlet on your right hand, which does uh, one of I think twelve different spells. They're like fire, ice, earth electricity poison something 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 and you get another so you get to pick two gauntlets and each gauntlet can have one power and these powers can often interact so like if you shoot a poison cloud with your right hand and then you shoot it with like electricity with your left hand it becomes like this electrified poison cloud and it does like extra damage so this is bioshock the battle royale. kind of yeah kind of but it's third person which i really like um it's really fast paced your characters are really like floaty they do like these super big jumps and it feels like you're almost kind of flying when you're going over the landscape so it feels very different like you're not really super tied to the ground you can pick up other little powers as you go uh that kind of let you mix and match a little bit you can also pick up different elements as you go um so i really like the feeling of it like being a magic user instead of like a sniper rifle user or instead of a assault rifle user it feels significantly different and having the different abilities gives it a very different spin because like i like uh i play this with my wife and my son and we play in teams of three so like i would be like the poison slinger so i'll like i'll throw down a big cloud of poison and when people come running out of that cloud like my son likes to use like uh, the ice and like the ice is kind of like sniper rifle, but like with icicles and then the <laughs> wife will come in and she'll do like whatever power she's using. Like she'll throw a big boulder or something. So like it, it definitely feels, even though the essential core of the battle Royale is still there, it has a very different view. It does not feel like Fortnite. It does not feel like PUBG, which is great because I mean, you have those games if you want to play those games, but this feels like something legitimately different. So I really like it a lot. I like the floatiness. I like the magic user aspect. I like the way that you just kind of like, skate over the battlefield and the way that like the the different uh, alchemical effects happen it's very very cool i haven't put a ton of time into it but uh, it is the other one that we go to when we're not doing fortnite so to earn a number two spot being a relative newcomer is a pretty good place to be now um i like this a lot and the 
other good thing is that I know that a lot of people in the Battle Royale spouse Battle Royale space struggle because Fortnite has really set the pace for releasing a lot of content. I mean, you go to Fortnite, there's like like literally something new every day. Like, and not a lot of developers can keep up that pace. Uh, I think that's probably one of the things holding Spellbreak back. But uh, they have responded, I believe, on October 22nd. They're coming with their first really big update. Uh, I think it's called the Gathering Storm. It's going to have a bunch of like weekly quests, like new rewards. There's going to be a new deathmatch mode. There's got to be more skins because, I mean, you always want to customize your skin. That's like half the fun of doing these games. And they're going to be changing the powers. I think there's going to be like some, you know, of course, some new like Halloween stuff possibly. So October 22nd uh, is the new stuff for Spellbreak. I'm going to definitely dip back in at that point and see what's going on. But I don't know that it's going to unseat Fortnite as my go-to, but I think it's a pretty comfortable number two. And we are we are playing a fair amount. I do love a comfortable number two. <laughs> <laughs> zing motherfucker zing <laughs> no that actually uh. sounds interesting because like i mean you know like you said there's like a ton of battle royals out there and they're all trying to you know come for Fortnite and whatnot but i feel i could be mistaken because i'm not an expert on the genre definitely not as much as you are but i feel like when it comes down to it most battle royales are just what gun can you get and it's all shooting each other but this sounds like it adds a really interesting you know, kind of like Bioshock or even like Pokemon-esque like elemental system to it. And I'm really shocked. I mean, maybe somebody's done that already and I don't know, but that sounds like a really smart progression for the genre. It, it really is, you know, it really is. And I think that it's cool for a couple of different reasons. I mean, one is that it gives you different ways to play. Like, um, you know, in Fortnite or most of the, the Battle Royale games, like you just have to be good at shooting. Like it's just the fact of like, if you want to succeed in this game, you have to be good with a gun. But in this one, like, for example, I like the poison because it's a lot of AOE effects. So like if I'm not pinpoint accurate, I can just throw down a shot. And as long as I'm in the ballpark, like this giant fucking <laughs> gas cloud is there. And, I'll, you know, like you're going to hit the dude, like he's going to have to get through your poison or something. But if you are a good shot, then you can use like the ice or you can do one of the other powers where it's more about precision shooting. So there's definitely um, options to mix and match. Like I think using the flame wall is really cool and where it's like this giant flame wall where you don't have to be super precise about it. And it gives people like the chance to like find their own niche and find what works well for them. The other thing that's really cool about this one, and I think the thing that makes it different from a lot of other battle royales, is that if you use the same elements, pardon me, my phone's ringing, excuse me, folks. If you use the same elements more and more and more throughout the season, you actually level that element up and it changes the effect of what you do. So like oh. in the beginning, you have just like this pitted little poison cloud. But if you keep using poison over and over and over, your gauntlet levels up. And then by the end of the season, you're like throwing three giant clouds or you're having like in the beginning, you can be um, poisoned by your own cloud if you're not careful. But by the end of the season, you're immune to your own poison. Right. So like if you use the same thing over and over, you will like technically and physically be better at that game because you have used that element more and more. And I think that adding that level of mastery is really cool. I don't think it's enough to really like throw the balance of the game off. I mean, I think you always have a shot whether you're up against a level one or a level 10 person, but like having your power get better and be different and like uh, be implemented in the game in different ways is a really cool thing that I don't think a lot of uh, battle Royals have done. And it gives you like real incentive to come back and keep playing because you're like, Oh, if I just get two more levels, my thing's going to be way more powerful or it's going to function in a different way. And I'm really excited about that because it feels different. So, I mean, this game is actually doing like, it's doing the good thing that I like to see developers doing. And this happens like a lot in like, let's talk about souls for a second, your favorite topic and mine, you know, dark souls came out, everybody in the world went bananas for it. And immediately what people did was copy dark souls. 
That is a mistake because if you are not from Soft, you are not going to make a product that is as good as Dark Souls. You're going to make something that's lesser, and it's just not going to be its own thing. The way that people succeed in the Souls-like genre is to take concepts that that Souls gives and then branch out in your own direction. Take the idea of it and then do something new with it. And that's really what um, Spellbreak does. It takes the idea of Battle Royale, but instead of fucking doing what everybody else is doing and doing just like guns and first person or third person or like basically the same thing that Fortnite and PUBG were doing, they're like, okay, yes, we're still like one versus 100 or whatever, but we're going to let your character basically fly. And we're going to have like all these different alchemical effects with elements interacting with each other. And we're going to let you like level up over the season. And your thing's going to be like tangibly different by the time you get done. Like they're, they got the same concept, but it's in a very different direction. I don't think anybody would say that Spellbreak looks just like every other Battle Royale. And that's really the way to like stand out. And I think that's really what's smart about this game. Yeah, it kind of, uh, when you're talking about that, it makes me think of sort of like Saints Row versus Grand Theft Auto in a way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of the same thing on paper, but when you get down in the practice, wildly different going off in its own direction. And that's really, that's for me anyway, that's how you succeed. Yeah, and I really like whenever games do that thing where, and I feel like for some reason this isn't common enough, where you, like, if you find a specific thing that you like using, that the game will reward you for using that thing by making it better. Because I often find in games, like most, you know, sort of like, rpg based action games or whatnot you know say like my favorite game deus ex or like uh you know dishonored or whatever any game these days for the past like 15 years where you know you're like using say you have like a pistol that you like a lot and you get to like your upgrade screen and like the stuff that you have to buy for your upgrades like have nothing to do with you know maybe you can like reload you know a 0.02 seconds faster or whatever um, but I like when games do that, where it's like, if you find a thing that you like using, the game will then reward you for using it and like, um, sort of like let it evolve in a way that makes it better. And I don't feel like enough games do that. I totally agree, dude. Like rewarding your play style and letting you enrich that play style and explore that play style that works for you is something that I think the best games do and is a quality that I think is really hard to capture. And I think a lot of developers struggle with that. Uh, but it is it is wonderful. I love seeing that. And and this is a great example of that. Spellbreak is very rewarding of if you like this style and you stay with this style, you will be better in multiple ways with this style because you stuck with it, which is great. I wish more games would do that. So absolutely. All right. That is Spellbreak. Again, the new content dropping on October 22nd. Check into that if you want something that is Battle Royale but feels significantly different than what you have already played. Corey, back to you. Now, when we talked about doing this show, I knew that you had Peril on Gorgon. And you said you also had a surprise game. And I'm like, ho, 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 what is this surprise game? I have literally no idea. Uh, we, I, you know, This is a pure surprise. The listeners are going to hear about it just like I'm hearing about it now. So pray tell, dear sir, what is this surprise game you're bringing to the show? Prepare to be disappointed in my surprise game. And this is a true 11th hour game because I just played it for the first time last night. As a matter of fact, about not even 24 hours ago did I play this for the first time. And... Uh, so I finished um, Peril on Gorgon, and I was thinking, like, okay, well, like, what's kind of the thing I want to play next? Uh, and because Jacob started playing Peril on Gorgon, I was telling him a lot about, like, oh, well, if because we've been having this really interesting thing, and I don't know if we'll talk about this today or not, but where he has a background in, he used to be really into, like, fighting games. Like, Soul Calibur is, like, one of his favorite games, and he's a big fighting game person, but then he kind of stopped playing video games for a long time. And then obviously, because I'm a big video gamer, um, 
I'm sort of doing that thing where I'm trying to like find games that I think he will like based on, um, you know, like what he's played and what he's liked. And I'm trying to like, you know, present some genres to him that maybe he hasn't played before and you will be either elated or terrified to hear oh, that I've been getting him into walking simulators lately. So, oh, you know, one of my favorite should have seen this coming. <laughs> so he's been playing those a little bit. And I was actually kind of surprised because he watched me play um, Paralon Gorgon a little bit. And I was kind of surprised when he was like, oh, yeah, like this looks like something I would really like because he's not big into like shooters. Um, not that Outer Worlds is like a big shooter. I mean, it is a first person shooter, but it's, you know, a shooter in the same way Fallout is a shooter where there's a lot more going on than just shooting. Sure, sure. Um, but he's more into like, you know, kind of like the RPG, like tabletop aspect of it. And, um, and so it got me thinking, and I was like, I told him, I was like, well, if you really like this, you know, you should try one of the Fallout games. I was like, you know, they're basically the same thing, but, like, the map is different, and the setting is different, and they're just, like, really classic games that are good. And so that got me thinking about um, good old Fallout 76 that came out two years ago um i think interesting and okay because I, I was thinking like all right i'm fresh off outer worlds again um you know maybe i want something that's kind of in the same vein but fallout 76 um i and, and i didn't like seek out to play it immediately it was just kind of in the back of my mind it's like oh maybe you know i'll get to this one day and I actually went on Steam last night or the night before, and I was looking up reviews for it, uh, like current reviews, because as, you know, listeners and you might know, um, Fallout 76 had a horrendous launch. It was awful. And, oh, train wreck. Yeah, train wreck. and I had never, I never played it. because, it, And it's interesting for me because Fallout is a game that I love. Like, I loved, it took me two tries to get into Fallout 3, but when I finally got into it, I loved it. Um, I like three more than New Vegas, even though I know New Vegas is like the one that everybody loves the most. Um, I liked Fallout 4. I know a lot of people didn't. Um, I don't think it was like, you know, a game changer, but I think at the time it had been so long since the Fallout came out that it just felt like a nice, like warm blanket to wrap myself in to play that game because it just felt like everything I wanted from Fallout and it had been so long since I'd played it. But when Fallout 76 started coming out, you know, the premise for it was, like, it's like an MMO. It's not really, like, a story-based Fallout game. And I had never cared about it, you know, which is weird because I love Fallout. But the whole time it came out, you know, up to its launch, I was just like, yeah, it's an MMO. Like, I don't really care about this at all. Like, it's not really interesting to me. And then it launched, and it was a disaster. And I remember it launching to, you know lots of criticism and it being horrendous and all this stuff and so i just never thought about it i haven't you know spent more than i don't know five seconds a year thinking about it for the past like you know a couple of years since it's been out you know <laughs> i i love that you like log five seconds like you're sitting at your desk and you're like okay well this is my time to think about Fallout 76 one two three four okay done that is amazing oh man i mean you know i'm obviously exaggerating but i just you know was never interested in it um and then you know i was thinking about it and i was like well maybe i should just like see what's up with it um because i know that they've been that bethesda has been very behind it and they've been patching it a lot and releasing sort of like new updates and new you know game stuff for it and i remember whenever it launched one of the big criticisms was that like there weren't really like NPCs in the world and it didn't really have like, or at least what I remember reading about it was that it didn't have a lot of like story-based fallout quests. And it was just like, there were just like some robots scattered in the world that you talk to. 
and other than that it was just kind of like the pve stuff going on and you know i'm not really into that um but i was reading up on it and they i guess back in april apparently they released um what they called the wastelanders update and apparently it added like a lot of npcs into the world it added sort of like regular quests and stuff and people you can talk to and i even like watched a youtube video about it last night um, before I bought it, because there was a guy, I don't even know his name, but he was just some, I just literally searched, like, Fallout 76 in 2020, and I wanted to see, like, what came up in Google, and I found a YouTube video, and there was a guy who basically talked through, like, everything that was new in the game, everything he liked, everything he didn't like, and some stuff that he was neutral on, um, and so I was just kind of thinking about it, and I think I might have put it in my Steam wish list, but um on a total whim last night i logged into my playstation 4 and i went to the playstation network because i know they're having a big like halloween sale right now and actually anybody listening look at that sale it's got some good games in it um fallout 76 was on sale for 15 doll hairs so i bought it i was like why not i can afford a 15 dollar game um literally wow was... that is that is really cheap yeah that is really cheap and i think it's 40 full price i think and of course there's like stuff you can buy you know like money packs and armor packs and whatever skins sure, and stuff sure, sure. Um, but the base game right now is on sale on psn as part of the halloween sale for i think it's either 14.99 or 15.99 um and i was like yeah i was literally just thinking about trying this game you know i like queued up the youtube video and watched it and i was like yeah it's 15 bucks like i can afford a 15 dollar game so um i downloaded it and first of all the thing that pisses me off about the psn is you go to the psn and you look at the game and it says that it's 43 gigs and i was like oh great i'll be able to play this in three weeks whenever it finishes downloading <laughs> and then um and then you go to download the game and it's 76 gigs i or like 79 or God something damn. and i was like why does the psn say that it's literally half as big as it is like i don't like maybe they've updated it so much that they've added twice as much game to it and the original psn listing just doesn't say that but that's something that really pisses me off about the psn is that that happens all the time where you look at a game and you're like oh it's 10 gigs and then like you go to download it and it's actually like two or three times that amount um but luckily i mean i guess my internet speed here is fine enough and i have my ps4 connected via ethernet so it's faster and uh it uh, took about an hour to download which i was happy with um and i played it for about three hours last night maybe um and honestly it feels like a fallout game it feels good like it doesn't feel kind of like the way i expected it to i thought it was going to be kind of an mmo mess but um the the pr premise of the game um is that you're in appalachia and i don't actually know where that is i think that's a because all the fallouts take place in a real space in the united states um and you know every fallout game kind of has the thing where you're in the vault for like you know the first hour or two of the game and it really sets sure, up the story sure. but this one kind of gets you out of the vault very quickly like in this game the opening cut scene is sort of about like the vaults have been closed the 25 years has passed where they're letting the vaults open again and everybody's going out and then there's like a big party in the vault the night before and you wake up like the day after the party and then like from the get-go you do the character creator screen which you know is in every fallout and then you basically just, like, leave the vault. Like, you don't spend the two hours in the vault, you know, talking to people and prepping for to get out of it, which I thought was actually a pretty smart design decision. Because even though, you know, the vault stuff at the beginning is always, like, interesting and, you know, full of, like, intrigue. Because the big thing about Fallout is that, you know, the vaults are not always what they seem. They're always weird. And um, But this one just kind of, like, kicks your ass out of it really quickly. Um, and whenever you 
go out into the world there's like little robots set up and like on the hallways leading up to exiting the vault and they kind of like tutorialize some stuff for you as you're going out um you're the last person in the vault there's nobody no humans or anything in it so you leave and then it just like really jump starts you into the wasteland like you exit the vault and then like boom you're in the wasteland and there's like one robot that's outside and i think that's a new robot in the update because he gives you a quest that's kind of like about finding the overseer from the vault who I had, you don't talk to before you leave. And so I think that's kind of like the big wastelander story quest. But if you had told me that that was in the game the entire time, I would have been like, yeah, sure it was because it doesn't feel like patched in in a weird way. It just feels like a, like a natural quest. Cause usually in a fallout, whenever you leave the quest, there's always like the big main quest. And then you find stuff along the way. And this feels like the big main one. It's like, you're trying to track down the overseer and figure out where she went and what kind of like, situation she's gotten herself into and it's like a series of hollow tapes that you find that she kind of leaves behind um but you go out you talk to the robot you go down the set of stairs there's two people there two npcs that you talk to i don't know if they're new in the update i presume they are um and they sort of set the tone of like there's this idea that there's like a treasure a big treasure buried somewhere and like they thought it was in the vault and they had paid someone you know their last caps to uh to figure out it was in the vault and then you have to tell them like yeah sorry you can't get in the vault i was the last one out it's sealed like good luck um and then it just kind of proceeds like any other fallout game and like you know i'm not super deep into it so i'm sure i will encounter the mmo stuff later um but you know it's set up very similar you know you have it, it basically feels exactly like fallout 4 like all the mechanics are pretty much the exact same um, you have a new little, like, camping unit thing that's in your, like, pit boy as part of your inventory where you can, like, set up a camp anywhere. Um, and that brings in a little bit of, like, the base building stuff to it. But I think you can pack up everything in the camp. I haven't done this yet because I set my first camp last night and all I built was, like, a... I put, like, a mattress in the grass and, like, a... <laughs> and, like, a, like a weapons, like, um, building station. And then I, like, fell asleep and then, you know... Uh, exited the game because it was like almost four o'clock in the morning and i needed to go to bed but um but it feels like a fallout game and like that's such a weird thing to say because like of course it should feel like a fallout game but apparently it did not feel like that until up until april um but i mean so far so good it feels just like fallout 4 um it has pretty much all the same mechanics it has the same like weapon benches and armor benches and like the cooking station and you have the same base building stuff um it's not too hard um, the enemies, I guess they, I read on Steam reviews lately that they, they implemented a new system where the enemies level with you now, instead of you just overpowering all of them, which I heard a lot of like double-edged sword remarks about as I was reading through Steam reviews last night, because apparently, um, you kind of get caught in a situation where if you're at a really high level, then you can like be fighting these like measly enemies who are also really high level and it takes like way too much ammo and like you know uh weapon strength to sort of take them down yeah, it feels a little bit unfair yeah. um and i sort of fall onto the like what you know i know there's an argument for both sides of that but i sort of like leveling up and feeling powerful i don't like the enemies to level with me so i guess that's something i'm gonna have to deal with as i play the game but i've only been playing no, that it. is that is the official stance of the game of the game critics.com uh, oh, okay. the official stance of the so video games podcast we do not like enemies that level up with you fuck that noise <laughs> Okay, good. Then I feel better in saying that. Um, and that's one thing that I remember disliking about New Vegas, because if I remember correctly, I feel like in New Vegas the enemies did get stronger with you, but I might be lying about that because I haven't played it in, like, 15 years. 
Because I remember in Fallout 3, there was a point where you just get really powerful and you can just, like, waste enemies in one shot for, like, the rest of the game. And it felt really nice, and I like that. That's the best part of any fucking game, dude. It was like when you come back and kick everybody's ass. I live for that moment. Yeah, and so I'm hoping that 76 won't get more... Um, like difficult the longer I play it, but um, you know, so far so good. Because it's an MMO, um, they can't do VATS because like that pauses the game and you can't pause the game for everybody in it. So now the VATS system is basically just like an auto aim thing where if you press the VATS button, it'll target the enemy and it'll just like keep your gun moving with them. Um, so that's kind of like a new update for that. That's the only like huge significant difference. Um, I did run into a bug early on because of course it wouldn't be a Fallout game without a bug where as I was exiting the vault, my HUD completely disappeared. So that was really fun. <laughs> um, and it took me, I had to like go interact with a weapon bench. And then when I exited the weapon bench, the HUD just came back for no reason. But I was very thankful to see it again. Um, so my HUD was gone for a little while. And I couldn't tell if it was like a bug or if it just like wasn't supposed to be there. But I was thinking like, I remember HUDs being a thing in Fallout. And then it came back. So that was nice. Um, they were just trying to immerse you in the realism of being there. Like, you know, just like <laughs> real life. There's no HUD every day. That's that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess like whatever. It was kind of effective for a second. But ultimately it was... Uh, I was worried that I was missing out on like tutorial stuff. Um, but I think I have it pretty well down at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not that far into it. I don't really know how many quests there are or how long the branching quest goes, like the main quest, because I know, you know, it's an MMO, so they're going to want to keep you playing it for as long as possible and keep coming back to it. And it's got a lot of, you know, content updates. Like last night, of course, there's like a little storefront you can go to in the menus and all this Halloween stuff is in it right now because, of course, it's Halloween season. Um, and there's different... I mean, as most games like this go, I think there's different currencies in the game. I know you earn currency from, like, completing challenges, but there's a lot of challenges in the game. Like, when I first got out, I killed, like, a robot, and it was like, all right, here's your X amount of caps for killing this robot. And then there's probably, like, one for, you know, killing 10 robots and then killing 20 and 50 or whatever. Like, I'm pretty sure that's how the challenge system goes, but for different things. And um, the, the upgrading system though is a little bit different and it took me a while to figure out how it works because now they have this, like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to accurately explain it. They have this like card system where normally when you start a fallout game, it gives you the special menu and you like put your points and, you know, strength or perception or whatever. But in this one, I think when the game starts, you get like one point to put somewhere, like all your stats are one. And you get one point to put in one thing. And then every time you level up, you can go into the menu and you can appropriate one um, special stat to level it up one time. And then you get like a series of cards and the cards are like the perks in the game where, you know, it's like the one like bloody mess where you shoot something and it explodes or whatever. Um, so you have this like interface where it's like all of, like it looks like a solitaire sheet kind of and you have these cards and you have like several to choose from and every time you level up i think you get to like pick one and like put it on the board and it applies to your character and you can also level up the cards so like i have one you know that's like stim packs give you 15 percent more health and then um if you level it up they give you like 30 percent more health or something like that so it took me like three times leveling up to figure out that that's how it worked because it, it either a didn't tutorialize it very well or b it tried to but my hud was broken so i don't know which one it was and also, you have, in order to fast travel, you have to spend caps to fast travel, which 
And the YouTube video that I watched, the guy was not very happy about that. He was like, this game is like based on fast traveling, so why do you need to spend money in order to fast travel? Which I agree with him on that. And if you don't fast travel and run around, you have now a hunger and a thirst meter. So you have to either be, you have to either run to where you want to go and be monitoring your hunger and your thirst, because if they get too low, you like lose a little bit of HP or you can't like fill your HP meter as high or something like that. But if you fast travel, you have to spend money. So the game, it's kind of like, it's like gotcha either way. Like if you fast travel, you have to spend money. If you want to walk somewhere, you have to spend, you know, your... Um, hydration and your hunger meter and everything so i feel like that's a little weird um but i mean so far i'm liking it like you know it's something kind of nice to kick back and play um it's been a while i mean i haven't played a fallout since fallout 4 which came out god like six years ago or something so i'm having very similar feelings to whenever fallout 4 came out we're like yeah it's not like groundbreaking it's not this brand new experience but it just feels nice sort of be in that universe again and to be fighting you know like the road like the wadsworth robots and stuff like that and just to be in that space but i also have barely scratched the surface of it so i don't know if the mmo stuff that kicks in later will end up i'll end up hating it or because i know you can like join factions with people and sometimes there's like a little thing that pops up on the menu that says like oh this person is recruiting and i think you can like kind of like in the division i think where you can kind of just like join into their game and go do like missions and stuff with them and so far, I haven't done that. I'm kind of planning to lone wolf it unless I have a friend who's playing, and I don't think I have a single friend who's playing it on PS4. So um, I'm just going to kind of go about it at my own pace so far. But I'm pleasantly surprised. I was really worried because the launch was awful, and um, I hadn't really thought about it a lot since then. But coming off Outer Worlds, I w it just made me think about it. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should look at 76, see what updates have come down the line because i know they've been working on it a lot um like i'm i like the bethesda page on facebook and i feel like their stuff is always in my feed about like this is our new update for this this is our new weapon this is whatever this is our halloween stuff or whatever and i just like kind of scroll past it and don't really care but it seems like they're really putting a lot of legwork into making sure that this game you know, has legs that people keep wanting to play it. And truth be told, I don't really care about the MMO stuff. Like I'm not teaming up with friends. I'm not doing like raids or whatever version they have of it in this. I just kind of want to go about the story. And I hope that the story and the quests end up being interesting and that it doesn't feel like in Fallout 4, because at a certain point in Fallout 4, you can, all the people that you take quests from, they just like, um, they will just come up with these like very, um, almost like procedurally generated quests to give you where it's just like, oh, go to, you know, insert place here and kill insert person here or pick up insert thing here. And yeah, it keeps you playing, but it doesn't really feel like you're playing for any great story reason. And so far, 76 does not feel like that because I'm very much on, you know, the early stages of kind of the main quest stuff. So I hope it doesn't devolve into that. I'm a little bit worried about that, but um. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, you and I always say, oh, the best time to play a game is a year after it comes out, and 76 has been out for, I think, like, two years at this point. I know they've done multiple big updates to it, and I'm pleasantly surprised. It feels nice. You know, maybe I'll come back on the show later and update, and maybe I'll be eating my words then. Who knows? Maybe it'll suck, because I think it's important to have the idea in your head that just because a game is good at first does not mean it will stay good, um, so it might not. But I like it so far, and I'm pleasantly surprised, and I'm going to keep playing it. It just it's It'll be like a nice thing to play for like an hour before I go to bed every night, do some quests, stop playing, come back to it the next night, and 
hopefully it will keep my interest, but I'm enjoying it so far. Right on, right on. You know, Carlos has dipped into it and he had kind of a love hate with it. I have been curious about it as someone who likes Fallout, uh, but, you know, kind of hit or miss with Fallout. Loved, uh, liked Fallout 3, loved Fallout New Vegas, really did not like Fallout 4. So I kind of like, you know, like have my ups and downs and like, like you, I was not interested in the MMO aspect, but knowing that they've been kind of responding to that feedback and kind of like making it gradually more and more of a traditional fallout single player experience that has kind of got me more interested. And if it's 15 bucks, I mean, that's pretty good. Although I don't know that I necessarily have time to sink into it right now that it's fourth <laughs> quarter madness going on. Uh, but I am tempted. I may, I may check it out, but then again, I got to be honest, man. Like I, I, I feel like way too many games are wanting to be married to you for the rest of your life. Mm, And I'm a little bit worried about signing up for too many of these. Like I think, you know, dipping into Fortnite once or twice a week and doing the battle pass is, I feel like enough of an obligation, but then I also do Marvel puzzle quest and I've actually, they just celebrated their seven year anniversary and I've been playing it for six and a half years. So pretty well invested, but I only play that for like maybe 20 minutes a night. And that's like another thing that I obligation that I do. But then it's like, okay, so like every single game that I play now is like, oh, we want to be your regular thing. We want to, we want you to come back for five hours a week. We want you to come back for 10 hours a week. We want you to come back every day. And it's like, okay, I've only got so many hours during the week. And for every one of these forever games that I play, that means I'm missing out on some other game that I could be playing. And so, I I mean, I'm going to check back with you because if there's like a through line to this, like if you, if you come back in a month and say, oh, Brad, I did that villager quest or whatever, and it took me 12 hours and I finished it. And there's a bunch of MMO stuff to do, but I actually walked away with a good experience that might sell me. Like if I knew I could dip in and out and have a good experience, I might want to come into that. But if it's like one of those, oh, I've been leveling up forever and every week there's a new quest and it never ends. And there's just no, there's never credits rolling and there's never a conclusion, anything. Then maybe I don't want to do that because I've already got enough stuff to where I feel like I'm going to be playing it for the rest of my life. I don't need to add any more of those. And I'm really all about those games that like, like sometimes it's okay for things to end, you know, like I don't need to sign my whole life away. So yeah, that's anyway. what's keeping me from playing the Marvel's Avengers game. I'm like tangentially interested in that game, but every single person here talking about it is like, yeah, the game's pretty good, but then it just turns into a games of service thing for the end game. And I'm like, nope, I am not interested in that. Like yeah. give me a good game, let it end and let it be that. Like not every game has to be. And I, I mean, I remember us talking about this on the podcast god like a year and a half ago like not every game has to be games of service like just let the freaking thing end like put in a multiplayer mode if you want like but just you know just like let it go like i don't have time yeah like you said to be married to a game for the rest of my life and even if i like 76 i mean i strongly suspect you know in a calendar year i probably will still not be playing it but i mean if bethesda can keep stuff coming that's interesting i would you know maybe be more than happy to play it but i i mean i don't know i'm only a few hours in so to be determined on that front yeah it really depends i just i just think that that's not a space that a lot of people can successfully be in and i don't think a lot of people really want to be there in terms of player base either like i mean i think everybody's maybe got like one game they want to come back to maybe two but like with more and more games taking this approach, man, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to pick one and all you other guys are just not going to get my time because this one's getting all my time. And it's like, you can only split yourself so many ways, you know, like it's pretty crazy. So I, I hope that developers kind of get off that train and just start developing, you know, more traditional experiences. And in fact, I really, I mean, you know, the game critics lament, I wish everything was a lot shorter because right now, I mean, we're in fourth quarter and games are, there's so many games coming out right now. Every single PR person is like, oh my God, please cover our game. And I'm like, dude, I wish I could. 
but there's only 24 hours in a fucking day. Plus I'm married. <laughs> plus I got a kid. Plus I got chickens, right? So like I got stuff I got to take care of and I can't, you know, I can't play every game to completion. Like I just got a game and it's like 20 hours long and it's like, I, there's no way I can give you 20 hours because in this, in the time that it took me to get through your tutorial, I just got emails for like five other games and it's like, I just can't <laughs> like, it's just, it's madness, man. So anyway, I, I don't want any more forever games. Uh, anyway, thank you for the update. I am kind of tempted, and fifteen bucks is a pretty good price. But we'll we'll see. We'll see. I mean, we can um, play it together, Brad. Oh God, <laughs> I don't play games with anybody except for my wife. That is not a selling point because I don't make time for anyone. I don't have time. Uh, but I appreciate the offer. I appreciate the offer. Couple games for me, and then we are out of here. Um, another recent release. I believe it came out literally today. Space Crew from developers Runner Duck. Did you ever play Bomber Crew by any chance? No. Bomber Crew came out two years ago, I believe, where you played the crew of a, um, I want to say it's like a B-52, like World War II bomber, the kind of one that dropped like the nuclear bombs, like one of those really big flying fortresses where it's got like the gun turret on the nose, it's got the gun turret in the tail. You know what I'm talking about? Those really big World War II planes. Have you seen those? I th- think so i'm having flashbacks to the movie wonder woman the chris pine flies up into the sky that's what i'm thinking about right now i mean very possible <laughs> I, I don't know anyway anyway long story short that game was great because it was about managing the crew inside the plane you were flying the plane in real time but at the same time shit was going down like people would be shooting you and so you'd be like oh fuck i gotta um send the engineer to go fix the oil pump because the oil pump is out. And so like you would, you would go from an outer view of the the plane to the interior view and you'd be like, engineer, go do this thing. Oh shit. The tail gunner's out of bullets. Got to get that guy some more bullets. And so you're managing like six or eight different people. Everybody's got a different job. And depending on where they are inside the bomber, they had a different effect. Like if they, if they were like in the tail, they would do one thing. If they were at their station, they would do another thing. It was super stressful, super, super hectic. You, you like lost people all the time. Like it felt like you were like in the shit and just like just fighting for your life every moment. Too many things happening. Really stressful, but in a good way. Like it was really a very interesting experience. I really liked Bomber Crew a lot. Um, didn't finish it because I got distracted with other things, but I, I had like a very favorable experience with it, even though it was very hard and challenging and stressful. Uh, Space Crew, which just came out today, is the sequel to Bomber Crew. So if anybody remembers Bomber Crew, you kind of know what to expect. In this sequel, uh, you move things to outer space, as you might tell from the title. Uh, Rather than an old World War II bomber, you are now in a brand new uh, spacecraft, which looks like a giant, I don't know, blackboard eraser or something. Like, it just looks like a big (laughs) rectangle. It's not the coolest looking ship in the galaxy, I will say. A little more style would have been okay there. But basically the same thing. Like, you have a captain, you've got a navigator, you've got a couple of gunners, you've got an engineer... And so you are stationed in a space station and you have aliens that will attack you and they have various missions for you to go on. And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, rescue a scientist from the space station. It's going to blow up, get there and rescue that guy and come back. And along the way, you're dodging asteroids. You're fighting off aliens. And, you know, you're like, oh, I need somebody on the rear gun. Oh, but if I put a guy in the rear gun, then there's no one manning the engineer station. And we need somebody there to boost the shields. Oh, shit. We'll put him on the shields. Fuck. We're getting shot in the back because there's no one on the gun. Like, what do you do? Like, it's like one of those things where there's like nine different jobs, but you've only got six people. And so you've got to constantly like be like, what is the most important thing right now? What is the thing that I need? Like, what do I got to do? So it's got kind of the same structure as Bomber Crew. But I have to say, i got to be brutally honest, I don't think it's as good a game as Bomber Crew. Um, the problem with Bomber Crew, I think, was it was really, really hard. 
And if you lost your crew and lost your plane, which you could do, you got sent back like a lot. Like the punishment for that was really severe. Like you lost your experienced crew. So you lost a lot of their skills. You lost a lot of the upgrades that you put into your airplane and you had to like start from scratch. I mean, it was, it was too brutal. Honestly, it was too brutal. Um, and I think that in responding to some of that difficulty with space crew, I think that they perhaps overcorrected where I feel like there's not enough to do in the game. There's less things to do, less things to juggle. And it's just a less interesting game overall where I think it's way more manageable, still difficult, but not nearly as hard as bomber crew. It just, it just feels like there's just not enough to do. And I just feel like I'm not as busy. Like for example, um, I'm only like maybe a couple hours in, but I've done maybe like 30 missions or something. And they really start to feel very much alike, which was never true in Bomber Crew. I felt like I was always doing something different. In Space Crew, it's like you warp to a place. You will get attacked immediately. You fight off those guys. You warp to another place. You're going to get attacked again. You warp to another place. You get your objective. You do the objective, whether it's pick up a guy, drop off cargo, scan something. Warp back home. You're going to get attacked again. Fight off those guys. Warp again. Got to get attacked again. And then you're back to base. It's like It's like that pattern like every single time. And it just gets really fucking old because you know you're going to get attacked when you go through a warp. It happens every single time. You get into this routine of like, oh, I got to have a guy on a gun and I'm going to get attacked this many times. And it just all kind of just gets like really rote too quickly. And you don't feel like there's enough variation. There's not enough compensating for weird things happening. There's not enough like unpredictability happening. And I feel like the mission variety is really hurting. It needs more variety. And it also needs just like more content. Like I just feel like... In Bomber Crew, you could say that it was too complicated, but there was something very interesting about having the ability to map your own course at the same time that your pilot is like deciding what altitude to fly at at the same time, your gunner is deciding what kind of ammo to use at the same time, that your bomber is trying to open the bomber doors. Like you got like all these things going on, so it feels like you're like managing this impossible situation. Whereas in Space Crew, it's like, I'm just going on my run and I know I'm going to attack and here I am, I got attacked. And then I'm going to warp again and I'm going to get attacked again. There it is again. And it's just like, it just settles into a groove like way too fast. And it just starts feeling really dull. Um, there's not enough variety in the, the equipment for your ship. There's no other ships to get. So it kind of feels like you're just on this progression where you're eventually going to upgrade to the better guns because that's what you do. There's not like a lot of choice. There's not like a lot of room for experimentation. There's not a lot of, just not a lot of variety. Like Like once you get the gist of what's going on, it just kind of hangs there and maybe I'm not far enough in the game, but I'm to the point where I feel like I've played enough of it and I don't really want to play anymore. And it actually made me want to go back to bomber crew because I felt like that was more exciting. And even though it's more difficult and more frustrating and you get punished too harshly when you fail, I think it's just like a better experience overall because there's just more happening and there's more, you just really feel like you're in it. And in bomber crew, like I feel like I'm just, I mean, in space crew, I feel like I'm just, I'm just like on autopilot too much. And it's just, it's not nearly as interesting. How much of this overlaps with um, Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time? Is it a similar thing? Very similar. If you've played Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time, also a lot of people say this is very much like FTL, but I've never played FTL, so I can't say. Uh, but yeah, if you've played Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time, same basic idea where you've got like four stations, but you've only got two crew or one crew or something. And so you're constantly like going back about, oh, I got to be on the guns, I got to be on the the steering wheel got to be on the shields or something like basically the same idea, except for like you die way more in either bomber crew or space crew. It's, it's tougher. It's harder, but basically the same idea. Okay. Cause lovers in a dangerous space time was rad as hell. So there's that. 
I love Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, but I will say that in its favor, you can do multiplayer in Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which really kind of like makes that experience kind of stand out. And it's not nearly as lethal. I think that um, the developers are pretty okay with you dying in either one of these games. Uh, it's less punishing in Space Crew, more punishing in Bomber Crew, but they're fine if you like blow up your fucking ship and your entire crew wipes. Like they're totally okay with you doing that. Uh, whereas in Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, it's more about like the teamwork having a good experience with your partner. Um, same structural idea, but I think the end result is a very different feeling thing. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this does... And there is no, there's no multiplayer in Space Crew. Yeah, because the multiplayer is like what really... Like, I couldn't imagine playing Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time by myself. That sounds like it would be kind of miserable. So knowing that these games don't either sounds like... It sounds like... <laughs> it's like, you know, I have enough stress in my daily life. Like... <laughs> I don't need to play a game that's just going to stress me out even more. That's how I feel about that. Both of these games are hyper stressful because it, they can go from I'm doing fine to, oh, my God, I'm about to die, like in 10 <laughs> seconds. Uh, it's really, yeah, I mean, they're they're deadly. They're very stressful. You're constantly doing a bunch of things at once. Uh, if you don't want that kind of stress, don't come here. But I think for what it does, I think these developers have a good formula. I think that this kind of a game is a really interesting kind of a game. I just feel like they may be, I can't believe I'm saying this. I mean, I, I don't feel like they made it too easy. I think they made it too simple. And I think that's an important distinction to make. I feel like there's not enough happening, not enough choice, not enough content, not enough mission variety. I'm fine with it being easier, but I just wish there was more variety. And I feel like I am probably going to get too bored to tell if it gets more variety later because I will just have lost interest before I get there. You know what I mean? Do you think it would have been helpful if the games would have come out in the other order? Or do you think if you would have played the second one first, you would have remembered it being so mediocre and monotonous that you would not have wanted to play the other one? It's interesting because it does kind of feel like a backward release. It does feel like a step back. Like this is simpler, smaller, um, more straightforward. And it seems like Bomber Crew, even though it's two years older, is the more advanced, more complicated, more challenging. So I don't... It, it is... Interesting. If I had played Space Crew first, I would have liked it more. And then I think I would have liked Bomber Crew even more because it kind of ups the stakes a little bit. Not that necessarily everything has to be harder as the sequels go on, but it's just there's just more going on with it, like more systems, more choices, more options. Space Crew feels very pared back and very small. So, I mean, it's OK, but I got to be honest, I'm not going to finish it. It got kind of boring and I just feel like I'm doing the same thing over. And I, I did go back to Bomber Crew and I'm having like a way better time with that. So... <laughs> I guess in the interest of serving the developers in this particular segment, maybe pick up Bomber Crew and kick them a couple bucks for that or check out Space Crew if you want something else. But there's that. Um, one more shout out before we wrap the show. Uh, started playing a game called Rebel Galaxy Outlaws, which is the sequel to Rebel Galaxy. Have you played either one of these? No, but true to your um, legacy, you have brought another game that has a ridiculous name to the show. Uh, I always I, I'm, I'm glad I didn't disappoint you, sir. Uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaws is basically the same thing as Rebel Galaxy, but they have like totally got a lot more money in development and it really shows you play a freelance space pilot who is a lady and there is a story, lots of animated cutscenes which are pretty good. Uh, you lose your ship and you get stranded on this rock and you ask a friend for some help. And he's like, well, I have this like really junky ship that I can give you. That's all I can spare. And you're like, okay, back in business. So he gives you what is the uh, equivalent of like a spacefaring garbage truck. It's like a real, real piece of crap. 
uh, bad guns, bad, bad engines, you know, bad armor, whatever. And you have to like start doing jobs to make enough money to upgrade the ship later on, get a better ship. Um, lots of story missions. You can fly anywhere in the galaxy that you want to. Uh, there's like stuff like on a job board where it's like, oh, deliver this piece of cargo or kill these three pirates or something really straightforward stuff. But then there's also story quests where it's like, oh, here's a cutscene and I'm introducing this character and this is kind of advancing the whole plot. So there's a good balance, but there's tons of content here. If you really want, if you like that kind of a game where you're just like left to your own devices to wander space, like you can buy, you know, iron on one end of the galaxy and buy it low and sell it high on the other end of the galaxy and make a bunch of money that way. Or you can do simple patrol missions, or you can be a good guy. You can be a bad guy. You can align yourself with the pirates. You can align yourself with the space sheriffs or whatever. So it's like one of those like job sims where if you were an, an outer space pilot, you know, like doing this kind of stuff, this is the kind of stuff you would do. And it's just, it's a really huge area. There's tons of stuff, tons of content. Um, but that is basically the same thing as what Rebel Galaxy delivered. What they have done with this sequel is they have poured a shitload of money into, <laughs> like, the graphics and the music and the interface. This is a fucking slick game. Like, it looks money, dude. Like, the opening cutscene is amazing. Like, your ship, it's a piece of crap, but it looks like a great piece of crap. Like, it looks really good. Like, uh, the interface is kind of, like, done as if you were looking at the control panel of your ship, which is kind of neat. Uh, or you can pull back and do a third-person, like, behind-the-ship view, which I think is more effective. But either way, like, it looks really good. Like, all the planets look really good. Like, uh, just the graphics of being in space is really good. And they've really done some smart things. Uh, because when you're actually flying the ship, what ends up happening with these space sims is, like, if you get into combat, you end up, like, spinning around trying to find your enemy, like looking at your radar, looking in space, everything is black. And so it's kind of disorienting because you don't have a horizon, right? It's really tough sometimes. They've made some really smart choices when it comes to the combat, where if you find an enemy on your radar, you hit a button to lock onto him. All you have to do is hold down one button and your ship will follow that motherfucker no matter where he goes. Like you don't get lost. Like you follow that guy, which is huge, huge help. Like if you, if you get lost in space, which I think everybody does, Having that auto follow is fucking amazing. And you don't have to you don't have to use it if you don't want to. But if you want to, it's great. It also really helps with the auto targeting. Also really hard to do in 3D space where everything's black. So I think that is really awesome. The other really really smart thing that they do is like when you're on a mission, you're in the fucking galaxy. It's fucking huge, right? If you look on your map and say, "Oh, here's my target. It's like five planets away or whatever." All you have to do is point towards it. If you hold down the X button, it's like, do you want to warp there? Yes, I do. Boom, you're there. You do not have to, like, drive all the way there, which is what these games usually do, right? They're like, if you don't have a warp drive or something, they make you, you know, simulate the experience of being in space or something. <laughs> I love just, like, warping to where you need to go. It's like, boom, cut out the filler. I don't want to watch me flying in space in blackness for, like, seven minutes. Just get me there. They fucking just get you there. When you get there... They let you auto-follow the ships. You like, I mean, they've automated so much of this, but in really smart ways where you are not struggling with like being lost in 3D space, right? Like you are just playing the game. The systems are supporting you. You're doing meaningful things the way that you want to do them. And it's all happening at a very rapid pace. So I think that they've done a wonderful job plotting out what this game is, making it player-friendly, implementing systems that are really fucking smart, that make a lot of sense, and make the whole thing just really fucking playable. Um, it's a huge game from what I can tell, and I do not have enough time to like take it from start to finish, but like, I was very impressed with what I saw. And when I am in the mood to like be a space, space hauler or a bounty hunter or a, 
you know, arms dealer or whatever I want to do. Like, this is the game I'm going to come back to. This is really well done. And I would really recommend this to anybody who wants to live that space bounty hunter lifestyle. And if you played Rebel Galaxy and bounced off of it because it was kind of low rent, like, give this one a shot because they have upped their game in every respect. This is like the same basic game, but like everything is better. So if you like that game, or even if you didn't like it, this one is doing some pretty amazing things. And it is like, it's nice to see a game where they spent the money where the money needed to be spent. They made the decisions that needed to be made and everything feels like it's popping. So this one um, is really, really great. A little bit of a more tutorial would have been great, but otherwise very impressed with this one. It sounds like um, this is the game that is what Samus Aran and Metroid does between actual Metroid games. Oh my God, dude. Oh my God. If they could, if they could map a Metroid part when you got down on the planet, this game would fucking dominate so hard, dude. Like, like literally you're right. This is what Samus does between planets. I mean, there's no planet part. You can go down and drink in the bar, talk to people, but there's no action, right? Like you're just in the ship, man. If they could marry the Metroid stuff to the ship stuff, this would be like million seller, dude. Like it would be like game of the year. It, it would be pretty amazing. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. It seems like you have a role reversal with the last two games you talked about. One sequel that simplified things too much, and then another sequel that basically made things better in every way that they should have. Yeah, it's a really smart, really smart decision in every respect. I really give props to these guys. This is exactly of how you take what you made and made it better, and it's just very, very, very impressive. Uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaws. Playing it on PS4, I believe it's on everything. Um so that is it for the show. Any last games you want to talk about? Or are you all gamed out, Corey? I think I'm gamed out. I will be playing some more Fallout later tonight, though. So we'll see how that goes. We will check back in. Not in this episode. I think that's going to do it for this episode. This has been a big one. We haven't done a large, long episode on uh, this show for a while. But I'm glad that we took the time to go through all these games, had some interesting discussion, and, of course, got back in touch with you. Corey Motley. Um, this is it, folks. This is it. Uh, before we go, we are going to go through the usual spiel. Send us your questions, comments uh, for me, for Carlos, or for Corey. I will forward those along to Corey if we get some for him. So, video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at So Video Games, uh, but you can hit us up individually. Corey, uh, I guess, do you want people to reach out to you? And if you do, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I mean, people can always reach out any way they want. Um, you know, if they would want to uh hit up the show or the email or me i don't really care i mean my twitter and instagram are all the same as they were um, before they're both um i'm on twitter and instagram both of my usernames are the same it's just my first and last name no periods no spaces no underscores c-o-r-e-y-m-o-t-l-e-y um and like don't feel like like, I didn't tell, like, my divorce story. This, I'm speaking directly to the audience right now. Um, I didn't tell my divorce story so that everybody would, like, send a bunch of mail and be like, oh, my God, we're so sorry. Like, that's not what this is. So, like, if you want to, great. But, like, I I, I mean, I don't really like attention in that way. So, um, but, you know, if you have questions or, you know, have comments or whatever, like, I'm obviously open to reading anything. But just know that I didn't come on here to talk about my divorce for, like, you know attention or whatever because that's not how i am at all but if you want to get in touch for that or for any other reason or whatever you feel like doing um i can be found on twitter and instagram cory motley c-o-r-e-y-m-o-t-l-e-y excellent excellent and as usual i'm on twitter and instagram 
B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. Corey, thank you so much for coming back. It's so great to catch up with you, man. Um, you know, I know that we kind of go on our separate ways in terms of podcasting, but, you know, you're always a great friend. I love talking to you. I love spending time with you. And it's just such a treat to be able to have a couple hours to just sit and just bullshit about stuff <laughs> and just, just to be here with you, sir. Thank you for coming back. Yeah, I'm glad. You know, um, I'm always happy to come back and guest star every once in a while. Like I said earlier, I have not been playing that many video games lately, but, you know, I've done it a few times where if I'm reviewing something or playing something important, I'll come back and chat about it. And it's nice to feel like you know like this was such a constant thing for us for a long time and this feels like i feel like right now i could be sitting in my apartment in omaha nebraska where this started for me just doing the same thing it feels like you know like christmas morning or something (laughs) (laughs) well you are always welcome back anytime you know that you always have a chair here at soviet games and you know actually just to pause for a second, it occurs to me that I never explained why Carlos isn't here, and maybe people are actually like wondering what happened to Carlos. I apologize, folks. I should have said that up front. Carlos is really, really busy with real-life stuff. He's taking a week off. He will be back next week. Carlos isn't going anywhere. We just had Corey for one special episode. Thank you so much for filling in. I don't know what I would have done without you. So thank you for being here on So Video Games. Thank you, folks, for listening to So Video Games, and we will be back here before you know it. In the meantime... This is Bye from Brad and Bye from Corey. 